Fast by Lap 6. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Tu, and this episode is brought to you by Teradyne Armored Vehicles Gurkha. Teradyne Armored Vehicles Gurkha is a tactical armored vehicle built by Ontario-based Teradyne Armored Vehicles, Inc. The Gurkha is available in three different variants. Thank you, Gurkha. Thank you, Gurkha. I had to, that is not at all what I thought Gurkha was going to be spelled like, but I guess I should have known with the Gurkha just sitting in my driveway right now. <laughs> Did you see where the box came from? Pretty interesting. Uh, Brazil? Uh, Canada. They're oh, Canadian well, I did, you did based. mention Canada in that write-up, so I guess I should have expected Canada. I said Ontario. There could have been multiple Ontarios, but yeah. Are there? I feel like there's an Ontario somewhere. There's a couple Ontarios. There's one in but America. We all know the Ontario, and speaking of Ontario, extracurricular activities. I did not mention this in the previous versions, but I my, my stronghold in Risk was in Canada, and I've Ooh. got big Risk update, Joe. What? I you won. Lost. You oh, won! I won. Nice. I was going to message you. Like, when it happened, I was just going to be like, hey, Risk. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm going to wait two days. I'm going (laughs) to tell you on the podcast. Yeah, we we played on Monday night. Okay. So I guess this is last Monday, as you're hearing this. Yeah, I knocked out all three opponents who were left in three consecutive turns, and I just steamrolled everybody. Because the way that Risk works is, like, you get bonus cards. Every time you take a territory, you get a card. And if you turn in three cards of a set, you then get extra bonus armies. But when you knock okay. someone out, you get all their cards. And so that's the biggest turning point, because then you just, like, you're much closer to a set. And yeah. so I knocked out a guy, got his cards turned into a thing, knocked out another guy, got his cards turned into a thing, and then steamrolled my way all the way from Asia to North America the long way around. And yeah, uh-huh. three turns in a row, just knocked everybody out. And so we're going to play again tomorrow night, starting a new game tomorrow night. But uh, that's cool. right now, riding high. But yeah, my, my stronghold, my fortified line of defense was in the three Canadian provinces that border America. So when you said Ontario, wow. prompted me in risk, I was like, this is, you know, North American <laughs> conquer right there. The classic Ontario hold right there. You know, well, actually, I think it's Ontario. Yeah, it's definitely Ontario. They did so much damage. I mean, it's all luck-based. It's all just rolling dice and everything. But, like, they were so good. Like, they did so much in terms of both defense and attack that, like, it's really because of Ontario that I won. So <laughs> shout out Ontario. You it's had no idea. Gurkhas. I know, why. truly. I mean, this is the time of cannons and horses and whatever, but also, you know, maybe I had Gurkhas. Maybe that's why I was able to steamroll the entire globe <laughs> exactly. like that. If you would have had a motorized vehicle back then, you would have crushed. I guess so. But, Joe, before we go any further into my Risk game, which there's nothing more to say, extracurricular activities, what else have you, what have you been up to since we recorded on Sunday our Nas Boost number three? Anything of importance? No. What did we do? We bought some mini Clue. We bought a mini game of Clue. What's a mini game? Just like a small board? Yeah, apparently, like, just Dollar General has these, like, very small travel size ones. Okay. And it, like, folds into itself, and, like, all the pieces are very tiny. And I'm kind of infatuated by how small the board is. <laughs> so, yeah, right. it's just, like, very cute. We played some Clue, and that was about it. Connect 4. I got a mini travel Connect 4, which is also really cool. It, like, you, like, stack the, the chips in the side of it. And they like lock in the board, like folds up, and then you can like unfold it. It's like oh, maybe okay. as big as like an iPad, like an you know, iPad Mini. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And it like folds up, so it like it's it's not like flat, but it's like flatter than having this huge giant fucking board, right? So sure, absolutely. That was it. That's all I've been up to. What have I done since I started a new video game called Control, which Chris Podcast loved? This game, this company Remedy. 
I like it so far. I'm only a couple hours in. This company, Remedy, made maybe my favorite Xbox 360 game, which was Alan Wake. And then they made a game on Xbox One called Quantum Break that I really loved. And this is like a very X-Files I Quantum Break. What was that about? What it did really well, sort of uniquely, and this does too, is it really kind of combines like acting, like mocap acting with gameplay. Like a lot of games are like cinematic, but they don't really have great gameplay. This is this sort of balanced both in a way. Oh, cool. Quantum Break. Let's see here. People Science fiction it. action adventure third person shooter. Granted time manipulation powers after a failed time machine experiment as he comes into contact with former friend over how to deal with an apocalyptic end of time. Yeah, so it's about like manipulating time to, you know, save the world. And this is kind of X Files y kind of Twin Peaks the game called Control, which came out last year, which I was very excited about, and then I just never got to it. Yeah. But they just updated it. They just sent out a new update and they there's an expansion pack that's out, although not out on Xbox yet. Things coming out in June. But I started that over the weekend, so I'm gonna play cool. a little bit more probably this upcoming weekend. Nice. And then, anything else? Risk. And then Mike and I recorded a cruise club for Jack Reacher. Nice. Set in your hometown of Pittsburgh. It was. It was. It was. I think I've actually taken you to the breakfast spot that it was shot at, right? Maybe. I know that you, your review of Cruise Club on Apple Podcasts, by the way, please leave a review of Too Fast, Too Forever. Thank you so much. But your review of Cruise Club on Apple Podcasts is that you sat at the same booth or the booth next to where Tom Cruise sat. So I don't know. I mean... Maybe? I don't know that you really took me to breakfast places in Pittsburgh, but maybe you did. It's downtown. It's it's in the Strip District. It's called DeLuca's. It's like my favorite breakfast place downtown. Okay. And there's like a plaque on the one thing, and it says like, this is the booth Tom Cruise sat at during the filming of the movie One Shot. Yeah, because one, one Shot was the original name, yeah. Exactly. I love their French toast. They do French toast with Italian bread. The same, Actually, the same Italian bread that they make permani sandwiches out of. Oh, okay. So they take that, and they make French toast out of that, and it's like... Phew, top tier now how does that compare to uh I'm, I'm not able to pull the name right now but what? the place in near where you live where we go every time i come up there how does it compare to that Th- this is like a real diner it was actually on um man versus food to the the diner in jack creature i think it's a different thing right because we go to like the breakfast sandwich place which actually we found you know how the breakfast sandwich place we go to is called ray and mike's yes oh actually yeah okay because <laughs> So what? I was just trying to Google breakfast sandwich near New Haven, Connecticut, and I couldn't find it. And then I just added the words tax evasion, and it's like, oh, Ryan Mike. So I'm like, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's my uh, slam dunk way to find the uh, the place. So yes, but yeah, Ryan Mike's. So Ryan Mike's was Ray and Mike. One of them like stayed at Ray and Mike's, and the other one opened another place down the street because typical, you know, way these things go that like these guys open up a place. And one of them breaks off for God, who knows what reason, and just opens a place exactly like it down the street. And so we tried the other place the other day, and it's also very good. It's like a little bit different. It's like this is new, and it used to be somewhere else, and then it moved closer to Ray and Mike's, which is also weird. Like they're literally like three minutes down the street from each other on different sides of the street now. Very cool. I mean, weird but cool. I mean, it's a common thing. Like, yeah, I know a bunch of people that have done this with their businesses. Where it just like, feels weird that it's so close. You know what I mean? Yeah, like people will open like a business with their cousin and then like get into a fight with them and then like I'll show the, you. Yeah, open the same business down the street. Yeah, and like they constantly just are like angry at each other. <laughs> yep. And I don't think I've done anything else. I mean, I might. I don't know. Who knows? But. That's enough extracurricular activities. Yeah. We do have a Patreon page here on the show if you want to support the show, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Nick Barris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman <laughs> Thank for you supporting guys. us over there. Thank you all so very much. If you don't want to 
support us if you don't have money to support us. Please, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until we get one more. As soon as we get one more, I'll stop. <laughs> Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Still 21 ratings, all five stars. No new reviews, but please, yeah, do try. us a solid. Leave a good We'd review. appreciate it. And it costs nothing it costs besides nothing. three seconds of your time. And trust me, I, I think that everybody has three seconds right now. Well, nothing but time, 10-second car. I mean, like, you could do this three times in the time it takes Dom to, to race a quarter mile, and then still have an extra second. You could do it 700 times in the time it takes to, to get onto the plane in the next movie. Mm, very, very true. There was, oh, I <laughs> I was, you know, past guest of this show, Walt Hickey. Yes. He sent out his newsletter every day, Numlock News, and I sent, there was a very funny thing in here, because I caught up on, like, about basically about a week and a half today, and it just reminded me of you saying, you know, like a 700 second or whatever, 700 times, whatever, but uh, he said that they found a rock of amber that has been found containing two 41-million-year-old flies frozen in the act of mating. But what I thought was funny is that he called it a 14.96 billion night stand, which I just think <laughs> is a very funny you know, way of rephrasing 41 million years, a 14.96 billion night stand. Yeah. Um, so you just run it like that. It was very, it was very cool. Very, I highly recommend numlock.news. I think it's a lot of fun. I like numlock yeah. news. I agree with you. Joe, we have... Two emails today and one other sort of email update. I will say, and this serves as a reminder because we don't mention it a lot, but I got an email from YouTube saying we have 500 subscribers on YouTube. Damn. I mean, most of those are robots, I think. I don't I'm know. I'm sure that a lot of them are robots. I don't understand what happens. It seems like people love Tokyo Drift. I don't know if Tokyo Drift has some kind of like, <laughs> and it's all like comments not in English. And I don't know if there's some kind of weird, anything or, negative, what, not what, anything like. What language are they in? I have no idea. Is it like an Arabic language, or is it, it like is it using Roman characters? Yes, but it's it looks like maybe, and I, this is just a guess. It might like like something like Thai, possibly like Asian, okay. but not Asian characters. Like I, I don't. Okay. It's, it's very strange. But if you if you'd rather listen to the show or watch the show, even though it's just still art, youtubecom slash forever all episodes are up there so if you want to do it there you can do it there no harm no foul if you don't want to do it there but everything's there if you want it just more places you can listen and then we have two emails today joe first up from jenny mcmullen subject line correction oh what's up jenny how are you doing she says hi guys i'm having trouble keeping up with you i'm still listening to episode 77 having finished 75 and 76 while commuting to work last week that's right, not all of your listeners aren't working or quarantined. Yeah, I'm still going to work, man. I feel you, Jenny. St- hang in there. Stay safe, please. She says, I'm fortunate to work for a trucking company that works primarily in the cardboard industry, transporting used cardboard to mills to recycle into rolls of new cardboard. We haul to box plants. That's and then cool. we deliver to the we deliver the new boxes to customers, which keeps the supply chain going to grocery stores and other businesses. So you're essential. She says the next line is we qualify as an essential business and all of our employees have official documents saying so. I work in a fairly small office, eight people, where we're practicing social distancing and not letting anyone in unless absolutely necessary. As long as the trucks keep going, so does the paperwork, which I do for several locations. She says I'm doing my part to be safe by not going anywhere but home smart stay home stay yeah. safe stay sanitized amen my husband does the shopping for necessities and is also practicing social distancing we're in oregon i've been a shelter in place state since mid-march which i've been talking to you island past guest island addicts about because mm-hmm. she lives in oregon as well so i've been hearing about that cool. which is the last time i visited a, a store i sometimes wish i could stay home like quote everyone else 
but weekends are pretty boring, so I'm probably better off working, and it's nice to not have to worry about my income. It'd be True. worse if I wasn't working, because I can only listen to you guys while driving. I can listen to some other podcasts while working, but I hardly ever listen to them at home. Well, I mean, wherever you have the time to listen to us, we, uh... We appreciate it. I get that it's, like, it's more of, like, a working-slash-driving type situation as opposed to... I don't know, like, I listen to them at work, and, like, sometimes if, like, Rachel and I are cooking, I'll, like, put on... You know, like, if you're like, oh, I just finished editing the newest one, I'll put it on. But, like, I can't, like, sit there and, like, focus on it, right? Like, it needs to be, Right, well, also, you don't have to. True. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could, but you don't have to. I mean, so that's the thing that I was reading a thing, and, you know, we're doing extra episodes just because you and I have more time to do, and I feel like for the people, or more time to do things. And I feel like for people who want more entertainment, or if this qualifies as entertainment, we're putting it out there. But I was reading that, like, because people aren't commuting as much, or most people, not all people, but most people, aren't commuting, that podcast consumption is actually down. But then as the day goes on, it goes up or whatever. But it was in the sense that, like, artists are hurting, and not only are they hurting from, like, not being able to tour but also nobody's streaming music yeah because everybody's at home so they're all watching netflix as opposed to like listening to spotify at work they're all like watching netflix or tv right right and so i mean we might be putting some people kind of behind the eight ball in terms of getting backlogged on episodes and like you're not really take your time well yeah that number one but number two (laughs) take your time to catch up whatever like so jenny and justin i know they've both said that they're falling a little bit behind but you know, we'll slow down when things get back to normal, or True. we'll just slow down before that, or whatever. It's all timeless. It's all nonsense. Uh, just you know, catch up when you want. Pop in here or there. Yeah, shoot us an email. Tell us you're doing good. Glad that exactly. you're Jenny safe and doing okay. Uh, she finishes her email. Funny story. Back in August, I was stuck in a traffic jam and concentrating on traffic while you played the minute. So when they're racing, and I looked around to see where the noises were coming from, when I realized it was in my own car. It also kind of <laughs> happened again last week, but I was paying more attention this time. Really enjoyed the last two episodes, so keep cranking them out, and I'll keep listening. I've got nothing but time for 10 hours a week on i5 later, Jenny. Well, thank you for writing in, Jenny. We appreciate it. I do like that it seems like this is now across the board, that we've heard from Haley, we've heard from Jenny, we've heard from other people, Justin maybe too, that like the minute is kind of messing with them a little bit, which I which I think in the is car. very funny and very cool. Yeah, because I don't listen in the car, right? Like I listen to like classic rock radio in the car. Mm-hmm. So like I've never listened to the podcast. Well, maybe like once with you. Well, we went to the Mets game, we listened to the radio, but like yeah. that wasn't, I think that was pre-minute. Yeah, maybe. true. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know when we started the minute. I do want to say, uh, I when, I when I walk around town, I listen to podcasts in my headphones, and I have like good headphones, like over-the-ear headphones. They're not great, but they're like yeah. $150 that I got on sale or whatever. They're like the Bose Quiet Comfort, I think, or whatever. Cool. I don't know. Like the reason I mentioned the slight humble brag that I got on sale when they were on Amazon Prime Day, but like they have better sort of like, like we were talking about last minute, right? Where there's like the music in the left channel and the music in the right channel. Yes, there's tracking. more spatial audio in these headphones than I'm used to. And so when I'm listening to podcasts, especially ones that are mixed and layered and edited well, I like think that I hear things like I turn my head and there's nothing there. It's like, oh, it was just in my right ear. And like, so I get like it. Somebody's I'm like not... shuffling a paper on the right yes. side and it tracked. <laughs> or it's like somebody walking by or it's like a car or something. And I look and then it's not there. So I'm not getting the same experience while driving. But I do think that I'm right there with Jenny and with Haley and with whoever that it's still throwing me off thinking that a podcast thing is in real life just because of the way that it's all mixed together. So I'm right there with you. That's crazy. All right. And we have one more email. So thank you, Jenny, for writing in. Yeah. Glad you're safe. 
Yes, oh, you're still working. That's awesome. So we have from Wes, subject line, Bloodshot and the Hollywood Knights. What up, fam? What up, Wes? How's it going? So I've already talked to you about it, but somehow in this time of pandemic and shelter in place, I'm actually way busier than normal. He so is. There's, a, there's a, another uh, essential worker. Exactly. I'm trying to stay involved in the premier Fast and Furious <laughs> podcast, so I don't know if this will be in time for the next episode, but it'll get there eventually. I just have a few things to jot down. I just have a few minutes to jot down a few things. Okay. What's up? Because I think you mentioned one of the more recent minute questions being about what movie they're watching at Dom's house. I was going to suggest maybe picking a different question just because I know when we or our friends do themed quizzes, one of the things we hate most is when there are questions that you can't know just from consuming whatever the media is. Maybe you just recognize the movie if you've seen it before, but if you haven't watched the commentary or looked at IMDb, you would have no idea what the movie they're uh. watching is because they never directly reference the title or show it on screen. That's so that's true. just my two cents. That's fair. He makes a fair point. We might need to come down one side of the fence or the other, Joe. Like, are we doing a quiz about the Fast and the Furious? Or are we doing a quiz that's kind of in conjunction with Too Fast, Too Forever? Because we've talked about that movie a couple episodes, right? And we've talked about it specifically when we're talking about that minute. And I think if it's framing it as a way to, like, listen to the podcast. I think that it kind of is. And I think that it's, it's the real cornerstone of this is that the quiz is going to be the premiere Fast and the Furious <laughs> quiz for anybody that's a super fan. Right. I get Wes's point. I do get it and it's and it's 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 a little unfair. It's meant to be very difficult and it's meant to be like side by side with the podcast, right? So But ask any watcher, any real watcher, and they'll know. Doesn't matter whether it's Bruce Lee or Enter the Dragon. <laughs> movie's a movie. A movie's a movie. Make your own damn popcorn. As I mentioned before, he goes on, I liked Bloodshot fine, but I think you're right about a sequel potentially being more fun. I did like the whole twist about the false memories, and I like the characters, just not the overall execution of the movie. That's fair. That's the thing, and like this is something I said about, like I didn't spoil it, but about Sonic the Hedgehog when I saw that movie. Like I loved Sonic. We just watched it the other day, too, and I really oh, liked really? it, but you're right. What? You loved it? I did. I found it like very enjoyable. Like, it, again, like I don't look for much in movies, right? It was entertaining. True. Like I'm not like looking at like is this film like will i watch sonic again i mean i'm not looking for that either but i just wanted to be like i just need a little bit more but it's the same thing like about sonic that it is about bloodshot where like i'm more excited for the sequel than i am for the original but also at the same time you kind of have to keep in mind if the original is just okay to find is the sequel going to be that much better like you know what i mean like you almost have to expect kind of a regression to the mean but at the same time i would watch a sonic 2 i would watch a bloodshot 2 yeah, that's the main thing that we were saying. In a time of quarantine, like these aren't movies. Like if I would have seen either of those movies, like opening night in the theater, pre-ordered tickets to, I probably wouldn't have been super excited about them. But watching them now, they're they just came out of the theaters, and I get to see them at home. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I get it. Uh, Wes says, Joey, I'm not a baseball fan, but I love the idea of setting up your fantasy league in a game and running it as a simulated season. Oh, I have an update. So I think I told you this, but I recreated once again the entire league because I created each of our teams as custom teams. Yeah. So it's something that's brand new to the MLB 20 of the show, which is super cool. And it took me a very long time, but I'm so proud of it. Um, So if you go on Twitter.com slash TheSepTub, T-H-E, S-E-P-T-U-B. Um, I shared all the jerseys there, all the logos there, and I'm doing screenshots just because the PS4 has like a share to Twitter direct link functionality. Yeah. So I'm doing like box scores there too. It's very cool. Like I'm very happy it's with how, really it, cool. how it is. Uh, everybody's got a custom team, custom logos, custom, or not custom stadiums, but like everybody can play like in classic stadiums or 
fake stadiums or whatever. Uh, so we started again. So this is officially we are underway. My team lost its first game last night. So Ooh. against a computer team, like not even a good team. Oh, and what's, God. An, what's even more annoying is that when we did it the last time, when I thought we were going to keep that one before I remade it with actual teams with like our fake teams or whatever. Yeah. The first game I won two to one and last night I lost seven to four. Like my pitcher just got rocked. But <laughs> it's 162 games. I'm going to come back. It's just, you know, the end of the game, end of the day, I, I think I streamed like five or six games yesterday and like everybody won except for me. And I was like, God damn, like, come on, <laughs> like give me the benefit of the doubt that I was the one, not that I'm asking for a lot here, but I put all the effort in, in terms of making the teams. Yeah. Give me, the I first, know. Give me like a ceremonial first win, but Nope. No, you just got no. slighted. I mean, it's baseball, so it's true. There's a there's a lot more to to come, but uh, yeah. yeah. So we're, I'm also streaming everything at Twitch.tv/soul underscore popped. That links on the Twitter too. If anybody cares, I don't think anybody cares, but I think it's also a weird, cool thing. And now it's even more niche and weird and specific and better, I think. As opposed to just, like, me being the Diamondbacks for no reason, I'm actually now Uncle Juice, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it is It is really cool, and the logos turned out really good. I saw them, I thought they were really fun, so. Cool, yeah. And my, uh, my friend Matt, who's in our league, who created the art for this page, for this podcast, uh, he did the color mock-ups, like, sort of the aesthetics, like the color palettes for each team. Um, and so some people changed some of those, but basically... Uh, a lot of the art that, like, the actual, the way that the colors kind of jive together, he did. So I think that all turned out really well, too. So, yeah, twitter.com slash theseptub if you want to follow along. Or just check out the logos. Either way. Yeah, it's very cool. Wes says, I was talking to my mom about how NASCAR and probably other racing sports have been airing their drivers competing in racing games. Now, this whole pandemic will hopefully elevate esports in America. Joe, I don't know if you heard, but <laughs> what? one NASCAR driver rage quit a game and lost a sponsor because of it. Did he, like, melt down, or did he, like... I think he just got frustrated that he was losing or whatever and quit, and, like, a sponsor dropped him, I guess, because he... I don't, I don't know. I didn't read the story, but I just thought that was funny like just you know even oh, something that doesn't feel like it's like real like it's just a video game like the streaming video game like he lost his, he lost money because of it so like hey man wow. just uh yeah just weird weird that's weird rough. weird that's a rough day can you imagine you're just like i'm sick of this shit and you just like like i'm turning i'm uh-huh. turning off it i'm unplugging it and you just uh-huh. like unplug it and the sponsor's like we don't like quitters in nascar yeah <laughs> just I guess so wrecks your day i we've talked about how i think like there's the nba 2k tournament and like we've talked about how like nhl like teams are streaming their ea things yeah fifa players are streaming and like everybody's streaming and i think you know i'm still trying to win over our fantasy baseball league that like there's a real split like most people don't understand or they understand but don't like esports and there's a couple people i'm not a big fan are you against them or just like it's not for me because like some people are just like it's not for me stupid i don't think that it's stupid i think that we have to segregate the fact that they're not an athletic sport they can be they're like a fun team game i would never want them to like join the olympics do you have a problem with esports the, the phrase i no i mean if you want to call it that but like because i don't care and i'm like it's not a real sport do you consider like bowling and pool sports or are they the games we talk about this a lot i've had this conversation with rachel because Rachel was a competitive dancer, and she says that's a sport. And I say, like, you're getting close, but you can't keep score. You're very, very close. Wait, she was a competitive dancer, and she stayed up to see High School Musical Live the first night it aired? I know, right? The things that I want is, like, athleticism, teams, and score. If you can keep score, and you're a team, and it's Well, so do you think NASCAR is a sport? No. I don't think car racing. I think it's not really a sport to me. It's like it's car racing. It's its own thing. Like now, like javelin, shot put, those can be sports. Like the triathlon, that can be a sport to me. I feel like you're you're all over the place. 
I know. Like, I get yeah, where I, you're coming from, but I feel like it's not. It's it's kind of ill-defined. It is. No, I have no rigid. I have no rigid standards to it. It's just all my opinion. It's just perception. It's just perception on it. Yeah, it's not like I have like hard and fast rules that like this is when I call like this is the line that I draw. And I'm like, no, it's like you know I think about each thing individually. But you don't think any any like for instance, you don't think any any less of NASCAR because you don't consider it a sport. You just no. wouldn't say it's a sport. Yeah, I'm like it's not for me. So like I'm so not just a classification thing. Yeah, it's just like it's just syntax. That's what I'm focused on, and like, and I mean, for that to that end, they do call them the Olympic Games. They don't call them the Olympic sports. True, so that's very, very true. In that regard, esports would make sense if they want to do an Olympic game in terms of the video game, in terms of the digital side of things. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I, like I said, I don't mind it. Um, a lot of my friends are really into it. They like you know love watching kids play on Twitch. That mm-hmm. part I won't understand, but I'm not anti it either. It's just like it's just not for me. So I think that's the thing. It's like the generational divide, just like between boomers and us. It's the same thing as like us and whatever the Gen Z. Yeah, it's like like I get. I'm I'm much in terms of this one thing alone. I'm much closer to them than I think most other people our age because like I do enjoy watching people on Twitch. Like I don't watch every night. I don't. There's not particular streamers that I'm like, oh, I need to like. There's certain times where I've been like, oh, this guy's going live. I'm gonna watch or have it on the background or whatever. That's but cool. that's few and far between like i i get the like i love watching things on youtube i don't do it a lot but i understand why people would and i do sometimes but i feel like there's a lot of people our age who are just like wait i don't understand like when i said yesterday in our thread that like ninja do you know ninja have you heard of ninja yeah he's buddies with juju smith schuster yes okay so ninja makes like 500k a month and he like my friend lost his mind and i was like but like but so do the kardashians bro like it's the same shit else brought that up like just yeah if you can hustle if you can make the money because like to me, like the the point I was trying to make, and this didn't really go over well, is I was like, esports is essentially like podcasting. Like the tech is democratized; anybody can do it. It's just about like the continuity of it all, of establishing an audience, of maintaining a brand, essentially, and growing. And like you need a lucky break, but like there's so many people out there like us, but the aversion, like the the esports, where like they want to do something, or maybe just having fun or whatever. Yeah. And like if it takes off, it takes off. Like if if you're consistent and you're engaging and you're funny and whatever, and you're good yeah. at the game or good enough like there's no downside i don't think and i don't think you should be angry i mean you can be frustrated that like it feels like you you could be doing that but the fact is you're, you're not, not right so yeah this is the same thing with like all these people like oh i could paint an abstract art painting then cool go do yeah. it you know yeah. what i mean like there's nobody stopping you from doing it so like don't be angry that this painting sold for four million dollars because right. you didn't do it like, i'm and not I- mad at that the thing that i do get upset about with the streamers though is that i feel like their target demographic is children, and I feel like they're taking money from children. And I think if you're directing products at children or entertainment, there need to be like some boundaries and stuff. But I like mean, that. I think that's also true of like every toy manufacturer too. Like their target is children, and like it's the same thing. It's like instead of kids saying like I want a Power Rangers toy, it's like Mom, I want five dollars so I can support my favorite streamer on Twitch or on YouTube or whatever, right? So Which like, is just so weird. I know it's like it's like a weird thing for my brain to understand, but yeah. I agree. It's 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 not like better or worse morally, but right. at the same time it feels dirtier. It's like you're yeah. like a fucking kitty stripper or something. Well, I also right? said I tried to explain it as like it's cam girls without the sex, basically. Like it's yeah. the same thing. And apparently, like you know, sites like OnlyFans and whatever have like skyrocketed during the quarantine because people are like both in terms of like people selling themselves and also people subscribing because like everyone's horny. Just like just like in the Hollywood <laughs> yeah. nights, everyone is horny, and like people are just like 
yes, here's $5, here's $10, whatever a month, show me boobs, please. Even though, like, boobs are free everywhere. I said that, like, four weeks ago. Yeah. Like, when this was first starting up, I was like, girls, now's your shot. Like, just make your OnlyFans now. Get in early. Because, yeah. like, we're all about to be home for weeks. Like, mm-hmm. this is it, man. Yeah. Wes says, we watched Onward the other day. I liked it a lot. But the whole time I kept thinking, Chris Pratt is fine, but the character was made for Jack Black, which is something that Mike Manzi has been saying nonstop since he watched Onward. And so I texted that to him just now, and he said, LOL, yes. So he's right there with Wes. So the Mikester agrees. The Mikester agrees. Wes says, that's it for today. I look forward to the next episode, whenever or whatever that is. I can't even remember anymore. Until next time, stay furious. Stay furious, Wes. And stay safe. I'm so proud of our Too Fast, Too Forever family here mm-hmm. that we're all still getting stuff done. Wes is doing some like heavy, like in the face of danger, kind of, right? Like he's doing some... Yeah, uh, he's masked up, bro. Yeah. He is. And that, you know, Jenny's keeping the basically keeping the country going. Like We've talked we about that. Yeah, she'll hitters. catch up. I don't know if we talked about it on the, that episode or like the next episodes that where she was that we were talking about like people, like truck drivers and grocery store workers and stuff and how much like they deserve yeah. applause for being the ones really keeping shit running mm-hmm. so yes thank you Jenny and that's all of the emails that we have today if you want to email in family at cageclub.me let us know what you're thinking but Joe on the streets Fast and Furious news is there anything that has come out since the last time we well, reported of Fast and Furious news or adjacent or related I don't I feel like there was something it wasn't something major like it wasn't something that we posted but it's something that was just like oh like it wasn't big enough for even to stick in my brain so I don't think it was anything important or anything actual no, real Hobbs or whatever Shot 2 confirmed we got that Fast 10 pushback that was a lot of things that I remember rock the vote if I'm going to go to Google News and see if Dwayne Johnson is running for president yet Bernie today just dropped out of the race I for know, president I so I guess it is that. now it is now uh, Biden's race to lose or to win um, let's see it if there's is. anything else so the rock president there is nothing new other than some Bernie stuff that I guess uses the word rock and then <laughs> on Dwayne Johnson president it does not seem like there's anything he is not Now's so shot. far he can dark horse this race I know we talked about you know Mark Cuban wanting to do it like you know why not Black Adam got pushed back you got some time on your hands can, can you imagine? I just really want The Rock to win. So, like, you could post pictures of him, like, doing the people's elbow, and the caption could just be, like, he's your president, though, and, like, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that would make me really, really happy. We had the clues all along. We knew exactly what to expect. <laughs> Exactly. We should have known that when he met with the Prime Minister of Israel that he was going to, you know, at people's elbow. Like, it just, you know, it's... <laughs> Exactly. He told us who he was. He showed us who he was in the ring. Yeah, he did. The final thing to do before we take a break and bring in our friend Roxana, who we met through Kate Hudson, fellow mm-hmm. writer at Pajiba, to talk about Fast Five. We have the Fast and Furious Minute. I'm going to have to explain this after we hear the audio, but Minute 49, the title I have for now is Brian, colon, The Terrible Improviser. Moved like a cop. Brian, this is one of those times when you need to be very clear about what you said. Not if you understand me. Not! Sit up. Tell me what the hell you're doing down here. Oh, shit. What I'm doing. No. I... I owe you a 10-second car. And what this is about, this is about race wars. 
I just went in there. So do you know, like, can you guess why? I mean, I guess you can kind of guess why, but do you know, like, what the title refers to or what I'm thinking of with the title? No. No idea. On Comedy Bang Bang, which I listen to, which I love. Okay. Scott Aukerman, the host, interviews, like, comedians or actors or whoever, and then they bring on other comedians who play characters, and they just do, like, wild and crazy things, right? Okay. Scott makes fun of them a lot, you know, his friends and whatever, because he'll ask a question, and they don't, like, they're caught off guard or whatever, they haven't thought about that part of their character, and so they'll repeat the question to, like, buy themselves some time. So, like, he'll be like, and, like, you know, and then what did you do? And they're like, and then what did I do? And he's like, yeah, like, it feels like you're buying time right now. And so the reason that I named this as such is because Dom says, tell me what the hell you're doing here. And Brian just goes, what I'm doing here? It's like, just answer the question. Like, it feels like he's, you know, it's like he's making yes. things up. And so I just thought of it, like, from the improv comedy, because he is improvising here. He's just a terrible improviser that he's like, what am I doing here? Yeah, what am I? Like, okay, here's what I'm doing here. And like, he's just repeating the same things, which I, th- I thought was very funny that this thing that I hear all the time on another podcast basically came up in a completely different way where it was like, oh. Don't repeat the question back. Just stutter. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just be like, you can respond in any other way, but the way he says it is like, oh, you clearly have no idea. Anyway, in this minute... Uh, Vince drags Brian's body down the alley to a gated-in area. Dom emerges from the shadows and interrogates Brian, and Brian tries to defend what he was doing inside Hector's automotive. So, Joe, what did you notice about this minute? This is not a hugely action-packed minute, but anything, initial thoughts, first thoughts, what do you notice about this minute? I had something that I only learned this time. I was convinced Vince said he smells like a cop. So, there's that. And then someone on Twitter who follows us, Savage Ones, I think is one of your friends. Yeah, maybe it's Paul Cho. He said, he thought, he said he moves like a cop, but the script that I found online, which it sounds like, says he moans like a cop, which is a weird line. Yeah, yeah, he moans like a cop. That's what I was saying. It's like, I always thought that it was like kind of mumbled, but I always thought that he said he smells like a cop. So yeah, it was like very confusing to me watching it this time. I mean, they all have the same meaning. Right? He's saying he's a cop. Yes, <laughs> so Exactly. So, yeah, but at the same time, like, I always thought that, like, he smells, like, like, sniff, sniff, skanks kind of thing going on here. But, no, he says he moves like a cop. Or moans like a cop. See, both of them are weird. Yeah. I mean, moans is a weird thing, but it is the official. I think that is what it said. It's strange. I also do, I don't want to shoot my shot for the later in the episode, but there's a real distinct juxtaposition between the Vince, the way that Vince treats Brian here and the way that Vince acts in Fast Five. Like, I feel like this minute, in conjunction with the movie that we're talking about tonight, is, like, a very strange... Like, I'm glad that this... Like, if, like again, this is not exactly a very full, flush minute, but comparing it to what we're about to see, what we're about to talk about in the second half of the episode, I was drawing so many comparisons between Vince and Brian in this and Vince and Brian in Fast Five, and I thought it, it time, time-wise worked out really well it lined up very very well i agree it was nice to have watched the movie and see vince in that and then see vince's like first skepticism of brian side by side so it was yeah. very interesting so there's not a ton of things here to notice because there's a lot of shadows i guess the big question is where are they are they on site still at hector's are they i think like, they're around DT? the back of hector's okay in hector's fenced in storage area because like i have in the document there's a lot of stuffs there some metal gas cans there's oil drums car hoods doors exhaust pieces so it looks like you know this is a place that hector keeps like spare parts like kind of his own little junkyard we don't have any way of knowing where, like, DT Precision Auto Body is in conjunction with 
detectors, right? Because like I don't like they could be next door. They might not be anywhere near each other. Like we don't have a way to gauge where they are. Is it? Do we? I don't think so. Like I didn't look at the maps to figure out where they are. I would imagine that they're not next to each other because in the most non-racist way, I'm assuming that. El Gato Negro is in a more Spanish part of town than sure. Dom Toretto's auto body. Yeah, maybe. But also he could, like, I feel like it... It like, could be know, right next door. I'm, I'm saying have that's a fine. Sense, yeah, we have a sense of the neighborhood. It seems like a Spanish neighborhood. Yes, but that doesn't mean that Dom's not there, right? So I don't know. I bet that it's probably close to where they were driving by and there was all the, like, arepas and burritos and stuff when they were, like, parking the car and stuff, like when he was hiding. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe similar, right? Yeah, it should be, like, around that neighborhood. That's where I would assume it was. I wish, and this might just be, like, it doesn't really matter where this takes place, but I wish for our sake here for this particular use case that we knew where he was because it feels like they just drag him down to like this corner like of wherever and like i want to know where it's taking place but to your point like it might be just around the back it could be next door it could just i think it's around the back alley but also why is dom standing in the shadows i don't know they could have been following brian dom's like peeking to see where he is vince goes and knocks him out and then brings he's like i'm gonna go get this fucker i'm gonna see like stop him before he breaks into hector's and fucks us all up knocks him out and brings him back to dom now here's a question do you think is it possible and we have no way of knowing either way do you think that vince and dom were partying with hector and then they see the truck go by or whatever and then they go around to see what's up does it seem like dom and hector are gonna socialize outside of quote-unquote work, I guess, which is race wars. I think that that's a possibility, but I think it's more likely that because Brian's starting to get close, mm-hmm. starting to get close to Mia, Vince is suspicious that they just followed him one night. Or they could have been driving around the neighborhood or whatever and saw the truck and was like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Is he partying with Hector? I kind of want, like, do you know the play uh, Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead? No. So they're two, like, background-ish characters from Hamlet. Okay. And there's a play that they wrote about, like, basically the story of Hamlet, I think, from the perspective of these two background characters. Like, I want a Rosencrantz and Gildenstern, Gildenstern version of, like, what Vince is doing as Brian's doing all this. Because it feels like most of this movie, like, it's just Vince raging out and just, like, following. Brooding. Like, he's, like, you know, it's before Facebook, but, like, going, like, you know, going upstairs and, like, looking at Brian on Facebook or MySpace. He's just like, who's this fucking guy? Like, come on. Like, uh, and then, like, him just following Brian around and whatever and, like, just trying to, like, you know, cyberstalk him. trap like, him. Exactly. Intreasement. Yeah. Intreasement. I said that, yes. At what were we watching? We were watching something and I and I was like, intreasement. And he's like, you mean entrapment? I was like, just thinking on, about this Watch the other the wire. day. Also, by the way, The Wire is free on HBO. Go right now for everybody. They dropped the paywall. So if you have not seen The Wire, watch The Wire. Also, yeah, I know that Jake... I don't know if Jake's been messaging you or the page or not, but Jake messaged me about, uh, he, he just finished The Wire. He thinks this is, you know, the best show of all time. I was like, I think it's Joe's favorite show of all time. It's definitely one of my favorite shows. It's the best show of all time. I will never yeah. argue against that. I don't, I can't, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I will never argue against that. I think that it is the best show of all time. And I think yeah. best and favorite can be two different things. So Yeah. And he was very excited about the uh, Stringer Bell connection there, too, because Idris in oh, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw, Brixton, is, you know, a pretty major character in The Wire. Jake, shout out Jake for watching The Wire, for, you know, chatting about that. I kind of want the alternate version of, like, what Vince is doing, because, like, it feels like he is obsessive about Brian. Correctly so, but, like, he's right, because yeah. he's getting in with his crew, because he's earning Dom's trust, because he's earning Mia's affection, because he's essentially taking... Not really, but because he could perceive it as, like, taking Vince's part in the family, it feels like Vince is just following Brian around 
everywhere that he's going. But I also wonder, like, at what point does he get Dom involved? Because it almost feels like a boy who cried wolf, right? Because it's just like, oh, like, I'm, he's this guy's no good, Dom, this guy's no good. And Dom's like, you know, just give him a chance, whatever. And then for him to actually get Dom out of the house that night, yeah. you know, like, it feels like that's a big step. Like, he's just like, or maybe he sees Brian, like, maybe he's following Brian, sees him park, sees him break in, whatever, and, and then, then Dom get down here. That's true, too. It seems weird, but I think that, like, I think he could have been suspicious enough that well would they all drive alone though so i think your ex- your second theory is a little bit better that like he was following brian around he's like dom get down here like right behind hector's you gotta see what this fucker's doing i think we're basically in agreement that like vince is vince is following him to an obsessive level yeah. yeah this is all vince this is all him just being like a madman kind of yeah but but dom had jesse look up brian when as soon as he heard about him remember because he's like, True. Oh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Spilner, Mr. Arizona, what about the time you did in Juvie? He looked you up already. You know what I mean? So, like, Brian, Dom could still be keeping tabs on him. I do want to say, and I will say this instead of the, in the back half, but, you know, Fast Five starts with a rehash of End of Fast and Furious 4, and Dom gets sent to Lompoc. And in this movie, like 20 minutes ago, we heard, mm-hmm. I'll die before I go back there. Did two years in Lompoc, I'll die before I go back there. Doesn't look like Dom's about to kill himself on that bus. Like, it just seems like he's about to go back to Lompoc. So, like, you know, man. He didn't really fight his work. way out of court either, right? He said, like, he'd die before he goes back there. And he's like, you yeah, know, I'll just get on this bus now. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? That, I mean, you know, you made note of a bunch of different things in the alley and lot, but it just seems kind of like just outdoor garbage stuff, kind of. It is outdoor garbage stuff. The only thing that I thought was cool was... I learned when looking up metal gas cans that they are commonly referred to as jerry cans, and they were invented by the Germans. And is that they jerry still... can a brand name, or is that just like is jerry as in German? Uh, no, I think it's a brand name. Shit, I need to open that thing. So, like, I don't know. I, th- I feel like I've maybe said this to you before. I don't know if it was on a podcast or not, but when I was interning at a newspaper in college when I was getting my journalism degree that I yeah. am not using at all right now, the word dumpster is actually a brand. Dumpster oh. could theoretically sue you if you say the dead body was found at a dumpster if it wasn't actually a dumpster brand dumpster. And so, like, it's the same thing like Kleenex for tissue. It's like, or tissue paper or whatever, facial tissue. Dumpster is the specific of, like, trash receptacle. And so that was, like, one of the weirdest, like, things that, not that I don't remember how I was writing about dumpsters, but it's the example that I remember hearing, like, you have to be careful about things that, like, basically dumpster has become the vernacular, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to Netflix something tonight. Well, I'm not watching yeah. something on Netflix. I'm just watching TV, but like. I'm going to Google it. Or like how iPod was instead of MP3 player, whatever. Dumpster is the same thing for trash receptacle. It's just, I guess, jerry can. I don't know. Like it could no, be No, jerry style. can is a term that was like defined in goods agreement, dangerous goods by road. Like they literally call it a jerry can. So I think it might have been a brand, but. I don't know where the word originated from, but it's now like it is the vernacular to describe a metal container that is shaped like this behind Brian. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, Joe, the trivia question here, I have no idea. So I was thinking we could, if you didn't like the name of this minute, we could change it. He moans like a cop. But I guess the trivia question could be, what does Brian do like a cop? It yes. could be moans, it could be moves, it could be... Smells. Smells. Looks. He looks like a cop, he moans like a cop, he moves like a cop, and he smells like a cop. Wow. Perfect. God damn, dude. I mean, I guess they're all right. Okay, well, we could say, what does Vince say Brian does like a cop? Yes. Looks, moans, moves, smells. Oh, Man, God, that's a that's tough a one. Good, 
That's, that's a, a re- one. That's a really, really tough question. I do like that, you know, not 20 minutes ago, Wes was like, you know, you got to make things that are in the movie so people can understand. We're like, okay, fuck you. Like, No, no, this most... is in the movie. I know, but I'm just saying, like, okay, it's in the movie, but, like, it's a, it's mumbled a word line. that sounds like three other words that people don't, like, moans is, like, the least, like, whatever. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be one that, like, is gettable, to Wes's point, very gettable, but, like, a lot of people are going to get wrong. Like, it's going to be like, I don't know. What? Moans? Yeah. Like, he says he moans like a cop. Like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, that's what it says, man. I like seeing you, like, when we're in the minute, I like seeing you copy the question to ask your friends and see what they, uh, I'm assuming that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. And if you want to take the quiz, we are now up to 50 questions on the quiz. 49 minutes, but 50 questions. If you are on our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com, even for a dollar a month, you get access to the quiz. So if you have not taken the quiz yet... If you have not taken the quiz since we rolled it out, you know, maybe 25 or 30 questions in, yeah. go to TooFast2Forever.com, retake it, take it for the first time, let us know. I like getting those emails, the Google Forms, completion, submission, whatever email, like, somebody new took your quiz, and I like seeing, like, oh, shit, they did pretty well. Yeah, it's very cool. Any other thoughts about the minute or anything else in the intro before we... Uh, Take a break and talk about Fast Five. I feel like this the next minute's going to begin in a different place almost immediately. I don't know if Brian says anything. No, he has to... He's kind of got He's got to defend himself a little bit more, yeah. right? But, like, there's very little dialogue and happening in, in a full minute there for the amount that we've seen in other places, so... And especially after, like, the last two minutes had no dialogue, this didn't really have dialogue either. Like, it's been basically three minutes that are mostly quiet. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Let's hear another word from Gurkha and bring in Roxana to talk about Fast Five. Welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. This is episode number 82, Fast Five. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Pterodyne Armored Vehicles Gurkha. The name is an homage to the Gurkhas, Nepali soldiers who serve in the British Army and Indian Army, also the Nepalian Army. Shout out Gurkha, indeed. Yes, thank you, Gurkha. So with us tonight, Joe, to talk about what I just tweeted on our Too Fast, Too Forever Twitter page is a perfect movie to talk about Fast Five, we have with us, let me take a step back. So one of the favorite people that we've ever had on this podcast who broke our brains, really, she about did. the way to think about these movies was Kate Hudson, writer for Pajiva. You know, she and Brian Rodriguez, who's been on the show a lot, are going over all the Twilight movies over on High School Slumber Party. So I highly recommend you go listen to those. But when Kate was on, she was like, I have so many friends who love these movies and would love to talk to you. And so we have one of those friends tonight with us, a writer from Pajiba and from the AV Club. We have Roxana Haddadi. Hello, Roxana. Yes. Hello. Oh, that was such a nice introduction. And I'm probably just going to ruin it. <laughs> oh, no. No. You've been for like 10 minutes now on Mike. And I mean, unless you were just doing like the greatest acting job of all time and you're actually a, a terrible monster, it's going to be a wonderful episode. I mean, where is my Oscar? Where is mine? And where is Vin Diesel's? Like, like, I don't know. Again, to bring up Kate, because I hope that she listens to this and hope she has like the inflated ego that she, I guess, always carries around seemingly because she does think mm-hmm. that she's the coolest person in the world, which is, you know, not she's far very from cool. Her. What was her favorite? Is it when somebody won 
in Oscar. She was talking about how Twilight is now like an Oscar, a franchise with an Oscar winner in it. So <laughs> I got like weird Oscars on the brain too at all times, I think. I'm actively shaking my head right now because she loves those <laughs> movies so much and I will never understand it. But her love for them is so pure. I that know. I, you know. Breaking like, Dawn what Part 2. Right. So what am good. I going to say? You have bad taste? I can't say that. Like, that's no. terrible. No. And we had guests on, was it this lap, Joe? I guess. Wait, did we talk to Mari and Nicole this lap? Like, that feels like forever. Yes, that, no, that was pre-coronavirus, which feels it like was. forever ago now, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Forever. They were talking about they have what they call their trash pocket, which is not guilty pleasures. Love. But it's just things that, like, are objectively not great that they love that they don't feel you're not guilty, guilty about, about them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so I feel like one of the women on the show, Mari, was saying that, you know, these are kind of in her trash pocket. But, like, to keep Twilight movies are, like, she knows they're not good. She's intelligent. Like, she doesn't, she knows they're not, like, great cinema, but yet she loves them. And then, so they are in her trash pocket, even if she never has heard the phrase trash pocket before. I think the entire 90s are in my trash pocket. Mm, like, every, cool. yeah. like, hackers pump up the volume. But I don't even consider those movies oh. trash. Oh, they just were so formative. Yeah. It's the 30th anniversary of Pump Up the Volume this year. It's wild to think about when brian covered that on his podcast with mike uh mike was like really down on that movie and i watched <gasps> it and i was like i was like no this movie is great like what do you t-? and like i brian had me on to give like a rebuttal about like why that movie is great <laughs> and i was like no brian, i need to i can't let you just like savage this movie because brian is like ruin the perfect it. kind of host where like he'll go along with like if somebody loves it he'll go along with it if somebody hates it, he'll go along with it but i was like no 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 we must defend this movie. And so he had me on as a rebuttal. So uh, I, I, I perked up when you said pump up the volume because that is a very good movie. Yeah, pump up the volume fucks so hard. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I really, I don't get it. It's like if you told me Heathers was bad. Like, early era Christian Slater did not do any wrong. And current era Christian Slater doesn't either, so. He's, he's a national treasure. Is he American or is he Canadian? Oh, I don't know. I always just assumed American, but I feel like he could be Canadian. He was because... born in New York, baby. He's one of us. Oh, great. Excellent. Wonderful. Never leave, We've but... reclaimed him. He is back to us. <laughs> I'm fine. Brief fear of Canadian descent there for one second but he's back <laughs> to america let's talk about these movies so roxana a couple quick questions off the top to sort of gauge your uh your credentials Can I start with my new question oh okay <laughs> let's save the new question for the lightning round i feel like it's better fit in the lightning round. no okay 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 this is a more about the franchise as a whole and then this that is, is a very hyper specific question that okay. i'm gonna have to write, i'm gonna write down those answers anyway so like i need to that's that's a different part of the program okay fair fair that's fine there's a new question roxana that joe is all excited about and it is a crazy question so we're gonna find <laughs> out uh we're going to find out, you know, what it's all about when we get there in a second. So questions for you. When was the first time you saw Fast Five? Have you seen all the movies? I think you have. And I asked you this today, if you had time to rank your movies. So when was the first time you saw these? Have you seen them all? And do you have rankings of the Fast Five? Uh, yes, I have. Well, I'm going to answer out of order, but no, no, totally I'll, I'll, follow the, I'll follow the format. Um, first <laughs> Doesn't time, matter. First time I saw Fast Five was whenever the press screening was for the Ooh. movie. You got to see it in the press screening? Yeah. I, I, that's such, it's, a, it's a weird thing to admit, but yes, I go to press screenings. Yes. Um, so I saw it at the press screening. I sat next to my friend Julian, who I mentioned earlier, Julian Lytle, because uh, he is my closest Fast and the Furious friend. Family. And, Family, not friend. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, you're right. And we just, uh, it's always a very good time seeing a movie with him because he's a very unbridled movie watcher. Okay. So we, we like shove each other a lot and we just get really into it. So whenever we see movies together and they're a Fast and the Furious movie, I'm always very overjoyed because his reactions are so extra. So that's always something that I like. So I don't that's know awesome. whenever. Yeah, I mean, I guess a week before the movie came out. I have seen them all. Well, I guess, okay, so here's a, here's a follow-up question then. What, what was the first one you saw? Have you been on board from the beginning? I haven't seen them in the order that they came out. Like, I remember seeing one, and okay. then I think I skipped two. Just like Vin Diesel, you're tracking so right. far. I was like, I have to leave. And then <laughs> um, I saw Tokyo Drift, and then I think I went back and watched two. Okay. And then after that, saw them all in sequential order. Gotcha. So four, okay. five, six, seven. That's not too bad. No. Yeah. Hobbs you skipped Shaw, a good. You skipped eight. one that like didn't really like two and three. You could you could have got away without seeing those. So like yes and no because I feel like two like two almost to me just feels like Fast and Furious trying to be a Michael Mann movie. Okay. And so there is part of that like weird attempt to be Miami Vice that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then three, you know, like three has Han, and so Sun Kang is so good that like. You couldn't skip three forever. No, you can't. But we've been doing this new thing where um, we watch them now and we introduce them to people. We watch them one, two, four, five, six, three. So, yeah. And I will say right off the top here that I just messaged this to you on on Facebook, Joe, but uh, just finished the movie before we started recording because I watched most of it before we recorded the intro. And I cried at a new part today because this is now at least three different scenes where I've cried. And the time (laughs) I cried this time was at the end when Giselle is on Han's lap. And he's that like, gets me every time. Madrid. And she says, I thought you wanted to go to Tokyo. He says, we'll get there. And I'm thinking, we mm. will get there. We will. And now that we know that Han is still alive. Oh, Giselle's totally alive. I like. I was just like, I, I cried out of the potential happiness <laughs> that I will have if one day we find out that Giselle's still alive. Like, I was just so happy. And that, like, they both made it to, to Tokyo. Like right. even even back then, when they're still assuming, or maybe maybe it's the longest long con of them all that Han <laughs> dies in three, they bring him back because people love him. That for the brief thing in four, and then in five, maybe they know that he's not actually dead in three. Maybe they know that he's always going to be around. I don't know, but just the fact, the way that Han says, "We will get there," because we've never seen them together in Tokyo. Like no. I want so bad more than anything in this Fastiverse for them to be together in Tokyo. That's all I want. And what I don't remember about Tokyo Drift is like I remember him flirting with other girls, and he's basically like sleeping his way through Tokyo. Or am I just assuming that? Because I remember he flirts with a lot of girls. He has a lot of girls around, right? And I feel like he says he's like getting over breakup maybe maybe i just know that i watched tokyo drift recently because it was on tnt it's always on tnt mm-hmm. and it blows my mind how they retcon to these movies <laughs> because three all of han's dialogue in three makes sense after you see five and yeah. after you mm-hmm. see yeah. six like i don't know how they did it what kind of weird magician type shit was going on but it fits so i i do feel like maybe if we do see giselle alive sorry to bring up my friend julian again but he has always said if you don't see a body don't assume they're oh, dead the game of thrones theory yep right right so like if giselle is just also in tokyo doing her own thing or if they broke up when they got to tokyo and we find out that she somehow has done something i mean a real mind blower would be if she is working with Charlize. i don't know we got a lot of options. Oh. Well, so that is so as 
Better Call Saul reaches its end game, and I don't know if you're watching that. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm not caught up. I watched that three seasons. You know how, like, the whole thing has basically been, like, Kim and Jimmy are together, and people are like, basically the show is now becoming what happens to Kim, because as we get closer to the end, we know that Gus and Mike and that whole side of things, like, we know what Romanos, Los Boyos Romanos becomes, right? Because that's all Breaking Bad is about. Mm -hmm. The big question about that show now is, like, what happens to Jimmy and Kim, because in this next season and a half or whatever, we have to get to a point where, like, in all of Breaking Bad, we don't know where Kim is. And so now there's thinking, and now there's hope in my heart, that she's still together. Because I love Ray Seahorn so much that I want her to still be around in the time of Breaking Bad. We just don't know. So, like, I want, again, the same way, I want Giselle to be by Han's side through all this time, and we just don't know about it yet but we will yeah we don't see like jimmy with the girlfriend either so yeah yeah it's always just one of those things where it's so interesting to look at it just in a way like how are you writing this backward like i'm i'm just i'm very impressed and i feel like for a lot of ways you can kind of be like fast and furious moves are ridiculous and they started out as a point break ripoff and like whatever criticism you wanted to level at them go for it but there is something to be said for the way that they have somehow reverse engineered a franchise. That is mind-blowing to me. Because, I, I mean, I don't think you could have... Well, actually, we saw this with Warner Brothers and their attempt to do the DC Universe is like, you can't start with the group movie right. and then unravel it. It doesn't really work like that. So the fact that they somehow have been able to do that is a little bit mind-blowing. And I feel like what's even more, like what makes the Han story even more special is that it feels like, and Joe and I make fun of this all the time, that in so many other opportunities where they have an, the opportunity to call back something else and they just don't, it makes the fact they, that they oh, were yeah. this so well, like even more special. It's like, oh no, you ha- you do know these movies. Like mm-hmm. you could just reference this or you could make a joke about that and they don't. And like, you know, we're obsessive about this and we watch this all the time. The fact that, like you're saying, they were able to beautifully reverse engineer this narrative where it ends in three but then continue and almost starts in five it's like how did you do this and yet like it feels like in a lot of other times like you're you're kind of on autopilot a little bit for sure yeah it's like i don't know how they reverse engineered it i don't know how they like stopped and then started character arcs for people all over again like it's just it's been very efficiently (laughs) very efficiently done in a way i definitely could not have imagined when you saw the first fast and the furious which is fun like i love point break and so like i'm fine with a point break copy i never could have thought that all of this would span from that right Yes. And we are going minute by minute in the first movie right now as we're going to work our way through it eventually. And just like the weird, very, very small, very hyper specific movie becomes this multi billion dollar global franchise that literally spans the globe, both in terms of audience reach and narrative. It's like, who, who could have seen it? Right. And, you know, narrative in a way that I think actually does a service to the locations that the movies are in. Because, you know, like a lot, I mean, to be a blockbuster these days, it's just, just like globe hop wherever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to capture international market. And so a lot of times you're writing in locations to do that. And a lot of times I feel like it can feel very obvious and manufactured. But like Fast and Furious went to Brazil felt like Brazil, went to Cuba, felt like Cuba, went to Tokyo, felt like Tokyo. Like, they somehow have managed to capture what is, like, the atmosphere of these places. To be fair, we're still seeing, like, a lot of, like, the bottom half of girls' butt cheeks, like, in these club (laughs) scenes. That is somehow universal across all these cultures, is, like, that bottom two inches of ass. Mm -hmm. But 
Cuba felt like Cuba and yeah. I love that they went to yeah. Cuba. So it's yeah. just, it's very, it's very interesting to see how it has felt very intentional. And yeah, that like, that brings in audiences that makes people want to see these movies and see where they're going to go next. One of our fans, Justin just wrote in and he sent us like the Ebert review of Tokyo Drift the other day. And that was actually mm-hmm. like a point that he really like nailed home. He was like, yeah, like they're in Tokyo, but it doesn't like feel like they just went there for no reason. Like he like really encapsulates like all of Tokyo and like uses place that they are as the backdrop for the movie and culturally and and fashion wise and stuff like that to where it's not just like, oh, they just went there to go there. And there's always some American exceptionalism because it's always that the Toretto family is the best and Paul Walker and they always when speak he was alive. RIP. Right. They always speak English. Like for a long time the Toretto's were like ethnically ambiguous. So it was like, are you guys Italian? But you also speak Portuguese. <laughs> like what is happening yep. here? So of course there's also that narrative. Like I was actually struck walking watching Tokyo Drift, how much like the terrible bully crew is like very coded to be like sort of nationalist so there are still things that of course it's like Mm -hmm. these are american movies and it's american muscle cars and there's always going to be that element of it but it never feels to me like cultural tourism it actually feels more like thoughtful than that the one thing and i actually want to get your take on this because i think this is more of an insightful conversation like we've we keep kind of saying the same things about this sort of stuff over and over again but we haven't really had this kind of deep conversation about it in a while but the one one shortcoming that we found that we keep bringing up, and no matter who you are, to an extent you can see yourself in this franchise, the one real shortcoming that we've seen is like queer characters. And mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any other, like just in terms of like how you watch these, how you've seen them in your own experiences, whatever, if there's anything else that the franchise is lacking. Because I feel like it could always be better, but every movie could always be better. But for like, like we're saying, for a global multi-billion dollar franchise, it's still like light years ahead of so many other things. But like, is there anywhere else that you think the these movies are lacking that you would like to see in a better representative way to the point that you were just making for sure i mean i this is very much if you follow me on twitter like you probably know this about me it's very much like i always feel like i'm back on my bullshit about this but i am an iranian american and i always want more middle eastern representation in media and so for me i would love if there was a middle eastern character in this franchise because i feel like they've done a very good job tapping into like a lot of ethnicities and cultures they have certainly been in middle eastern locations before but there hasn't actually been a middle eastern character so i think that would be something really exciting especially because iran in particular is very much like cuba um like iranian and american relations obviously broke down after the iranian revolution in 19 79 and so iran is actually full of like old american muscle cars (laughs) that um iranian citizens have like lovingly maintained if you ever saw the episode that anthony bourdain did in iran uh he goes to like one of these like iranian muscle uh american muscle car meetups in tehran and he's like amazed by all these amazing cars so that to me would be something like really interesting like i feel like we have gone to a lot of different locations and that would be really cool for me and then definitely like the lgbtq representation is i feel like very much this is a 
heterosexually coded franchise sure. and like that's that's fine like do whatever it's whatever but it would be nice if there was just something a little different from that and to a certain point it feels like the crew has grown so much that i don't think there's a lot that i think you can't do with a cast of characters that is now this big but i also feel like it wouldn't be a Uh bad thing since you keep growing the cast like grow it a little more You know, like do something a little more. And I think that would be awesome because otherwise they have done, I think, a pretty good job of expanding this universe past an L.A. street crew. Yeah. There's always more you can do. And we joke about them going to space. But, you know, there's other stuff that could happen before they get there. I am really wondering if there's like a whole pocket of, and I don't want to gloss over everything you said because I think it was all beautifully said and I agree with it all and everything like that. But I do can't get out of my head if there's like a franchise of movies in Iran that are basically the Iranian Fast and Furious. Like, Joe, do you remember what oh. we did for the film club that we ran? Like the Bollywood, like the Doom movies, T-H-O-M, like these mm-hmm. like crazy Indian, like not quite Fast and Furious, but like the closest thing they have. Like, I wonder if there are versions of the Fast and Furious over in Iran that we just don't know about that aren't huge hits or whatever that are just like, yeah. American muscle cars that are over there. Like, I can't, that's amazing. I honestly don't know because um, like Iran does have like a very booming cinematic culture and like we've certainly seen that here um, because you have like Asghar Fahardi who's won two uh, best foreign film Oscars and so we definitely have a very profound cinematic tradition but I don't know how much of that is action movies so that's definitely something that would be interesting yeah that would be (laughs) That would be somewhat interesting to figure out. But I really would encourage you, like, if you could, to watch that uh, Anthony Bourdain episode in Iran. Just because it's so interesting and the cars are so awesome (laughs) that I think it would be be worth it. Are there, and I just have one more follow-up question, are there Iranian, like, action film directors? I guess maybe the closest we have, the closest I can think of is, like, Anna Lily Amarpour. Like, she's not quite action, but kind of action. She's approaching it. Right. And I think it's just one of those things, too, where we're always talking about, like, the experience of being, like, from a place versus, like, your parents and family being Mm -hmm. from a place. Because, like, I'm first gen, and so I consider myself Iranian. But, like, the Iranian film culture there is very much for Iranian audiences versus people like Annalily Amirpour or like some other people who I think are also operating from sort of a first gen dynamic but like she's definitely getting there in terms of girl walks home at light a night was the beginnings of something and then the bad batch is just like insane (laughs) and i think she's got an upcoming one with zach efron that i'm very excited about too like she's making things that are interesting if nothing else like yeah yeah it's man it's it's interesting yeah she directed the um the pilot of briar patch that show with rosario dawson okay on usa uh right now and then i didn't know about like a Zac Efron movie but I know she's doing like a fantasy movie uh, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon I thought he was involved in that maybe he's not maybe he dropped out because I'm looking he's not there but that was definitely for one of the podcasts that we're doing Joe I think it was Zac Attack I think he was at one point attached just just not there anymore he, maybe he dropped out and got replaced with Ed Screen because I could see that that would make sense. Yeah, one of them for the other. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those things where we talk about it a lot. Where it's like, you know, it's on all of us to like demand more from media. And so I think 
having some new blood in the franchise could be good. I mean, we saw what Justin Lin did for it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so yeah, I just think it would be interesting to see, you know, more of that sort of thing. Okay, and do we need to do my ranking? Because I, you know, this is very, this is very important. And also, I do, I did, I did just Google and uh, Zac Efron was previously attached in the Ed Screen role. So that, Mm. Um, I'm not too familiar with Ed Screen, but I mean, you can't really step up from Zac Efron, so clearly it's a step down. So you know. <laughs> well, you watched Game of Thrones. He was original Dario. Oh, uh, so he got replaced there. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he got replaced there, and then he's been in a lot of stuff. He, I, I feel like he, I think he was cast as a certain character who was Asian in the original source text of a movie, and then he dropped out because he was like, I shouldn't do this because I'm a white guy, and that was very thoughtful. And then he was in Midway last year. So, like, he's good. He's fine. I've seen movies he's been in that I don't recognize him. Like, I've seen Alita. I've seen Beale Street. I've seen Deadpool. I've seen, I don't know. I feel like usually he's just, like, a background action-heavy and gotcha. then Midway was like his first main thing. And like he looks very much of that time. So that sort of worked for him. Cool. Okay. But yeah, it doesn't, doesn't get better than Efron. No, you know? no, no. no. Oh. Did you guys watch his hot ones? I really liked it. Okay. Yeah, that was good. I thought it was like surprisingly honest and I appreciated that. We love Zeph. We do. Yeah. And he's kind of a bro. And we get yeah. that. But he but knows the same that he's a bro. But he knows it. The, the self-awareness yeah. of it is really is the best part about it. Yeah, so, it's yes. very refreshing. I, I mean, I think it takes a lot to admit that, like, you sort of are a stereotype. But I feel like he does that with, like, a grin and, you know, like, some acknowledgement of yeah. being that person. And I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, then you can respect it. He seems like he just wants to go live in the fucking wilderness. And if he wants to do that, let him do it. Like, I yeah, respect like, him for like, living his dream. That's cool. This might be like a little too gossipy for the format of this show. But oh, no, it's no, amazing. no, 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 no. <laughs> what you don't understand is that this show is 100% gossip. Well, yeah. my boyfriend and I were just talking about this the other day. That like, I don't know if a decade ago when Efron and Vanessa Hudgens were together, we would have thought that like in this time, Efron is the one who comes off looking better. Oh, like yes. Vanessa Hudgens. We have talked about the, the first celebrity death of coronavirus was Vanessa Hudgens' oh career. It was a joke that I stole from Twitter, but like it's true. Oh, like God. How how do you mess that one up that badly, girl? What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. That was a mess. And it's just one of those things. If we're talking about self-awareness, that felt so unself-aware. <laughs> and it, it just felt like such like a privileged people are gonna die. So what? Take and like oh. I, I it, it really blew my mind. And yet you have like Zach Efron going on hot ones talking about like I don't think I can just be the hot guy anymore and I don't want to be. And I was like, you know what, Zach? Good for you, buddy. <laughs> like, who knew? And his Seth Rogen impression was very good. It was dead <laughs> on. He does a great Seth Rogen. He really does. I was so surprised. <laughs> but yeah, I want the best for Zach. I really, I really enjoyed Zach. He was the best part of Beach Bum. The first podcast that Joe and I did together was Zach Attack, the Zach Efron podcast. Up until basically the last like up until 20, like basically through Baywatch, you know, we thought we knew what he was and we were basically like, not our thesis statement, but like our greatest overall worry. And like we, this is on brand for 2F2F because we love Zeph here. We also think that he should have been Little Nobody instead of yeah. Scott Eastwood. They should have had Zach Efron as Kurt Russell's sidekick in 8. But mm-hmm. like we were worried that he was going to just be a bro forever. But it feels like between the Beach Bum, between the Ted Bundy movie, and now between like killing Zach Efron and everything, he's like consciously being like, no, I'm done doing that. 
I'm going to do weird shit now, and I want to subvert your expectations of me. And I think that's the most interesting thing. And that, like, that's kind of what Keanu was doing now after Keanu like had a much longer career. And it's the Robert Pattinson model. Yes, and, yes. You know, it's, the Dan- it's the Daniel Radcliffe money model. Yeah. It's like I got fuck you money, and now I'm going to do whatever you want. I'm do and like on stage and be naked with a horse. Right. And honestly, if you have fuck you money, more that's respect the first to you. Thing for I would doing do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah like yeah. do whatever. So, so I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not saying that Efron is at their level of wealth because like the twilight and the harry potter money is insane to even consider but it's probably like hitting 30 and thinking like you know like what the hell are we doing here i appreciate that very much and you know it's not saying that he's like an amazing actor because i don't think he's like the best but i think he's doing more and asking more of himself but the one thing you can't deny is that he has the bluest of blue eyes. Oh, they're bluest so blue. blue eyes. Oh my god. Yeah, they're so blue. Well, I mean, they're not like they're they're not like the bluest no, eyes, but they're pretty blue. I beg to disagree because according to the IMDb trivia of Charlie St. Cloud, one of the approved trivia bits is that in this scene, in this movie, his yeah. eyes are the bluest blue, which we read verbatim and like if it's on the internet, it must be true. But do you and think so, they're bluer than like Alec Baldwin's eyes? I don't know. We gotta have a blue eye off. You gotta have a blue eye off. <laughs> You got like you. like a lip sync battle, mm-hmm. but just them just like squinting at you. Yeah. Efron and Baldwin, and then I feel like Paul Jake Walker. Gyllen- uh, Paul Walker, R.I.P. Buddy, and I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes are surprisingly blue. There was oh, I just watched the new movie Vivarian, which I did not love, but there's like mm-hmm. this roboty guy in there, and he's got it, it almost it can't be real, but like his eyes are like shockingly blue, and I was just like, oh, the natural blue. That's you know that's what we get lost in the, the Paul Walker baby blues. Right. Yeah. Well, there's also like the Paul Newman blues, mm. like. Newman's blues might have been the best. Blues. They were, yes. Bullet, the original, the OG bullet. Yeah. And honestly, okay. this this Zach Efron tangent was good because do you remember that summer where he was like making out with Michelle Rodriguez and like Abitha no. and everyone no. was like, oh what? yeah. It was this is so- the first time we've ever heard about this. I've never heard uh, about this. <laughs> yes. It was like it was like a summer where the two of them were just like hooking up everywhere, unlike the European club scene. Wow. And everyone was like, What the hell is this? And then I think they each Drugs. separately went to Cab, yeah, it was not. It was not a great time. Oh Best god, that's awesome! Time, wow, maybe that's why he's not in these movies. Maybe that's why she wasn't in these movies. Oof. Yeah, I do. I do distinctly remember this. Yeah, you can definitely find some pictures of them just like hanging out. Oh, uh, here we go. It's from 2014. Zac Efron reportedly fell hard for Michelle Rodriguez, but they did have a decade age difference. He likes cougars too, man. Yeah. First Nicole Kidman, now now Michelle Rodriguez. Wow. Two months. You know what, though? Two months sounds like just the right amount of time to just like hook up with each of them and then call it good. I would. Yeah. I would have been. I would have been the the third leg of that that tripod. Like, what do you guys talk about? That's what I wanted. Is there talking? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was 2014. So, like, what was that like? It was just yeah, probably like an abdominal, like an ab off, right? Just like who's more ripped, me or you? Right. Yeah. And they were both like in peak physical yeah. condition. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at these images. They're great. I just scrolled through a whole bunch while you were talking. Yep. All right. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Got to steer wow. clear of that. Okay. So now, Roxana, the question we asked probably half an hour ago, not half an hour ago, <laughs> but like a long time ago, your rankings for these movies, you can either go from the bottom up or top down, whichever you're uh, more interested in. I think top down is easier okay. because. Um, okay. Some of them just like some of them are malleable, but five is always number one. Okay. Okay. And then I think one because I love one a lot. Okay. Seven. Okay. Seven's and, high. And yeah, and then six. Okay. 
These are always sort of in flux. And then three, four. Okay. And then eight. And then Hobbs and Shaw. And what about Lass. two? Oh, shit. Two. <gasps> uh, let's put two above eight. Okay. Okay. So you get yeah. two seventh and then fate and eighth and then Hobbs and Shaw and ninth. Okay. Yeah. This is very Hobbs- general consensus feels. Yeah. I just watched Hobbs and Shaw again because it was on HBO. And then I watched three and then I watched five. Because like whenever they're on TV, you have to watch them. And mm-hmm. eight eight just feels so different. It doesn't feel like a Fast and the Furious movie. There are too many cameos. It's too gimmicky. Uh-huh. It doesn't really feel like there are any stakes. So like Hobbs and Shaw is really out. And then eight is sort of the same way. Eight feels like they stopped being in on the joke, sort of. I don't enjoy that as much. Eight Eight is just Vin Diesel's movie. And that's sort of what I'm concerned about in the franchise moving forward is like they haven't found a Paul Walker replacement. Well, that's what really – that's what Kate broke our brains about when she was on to talk about Seven. Like her – our conversation with her on Seven made us both sour on Seven in a way that we did not predict because it feels like Paul passing basically kind of like not ruined the franchise. But like mm-hmm. like it seemed like they had an end game in mind and then they're like, oh, we can't do this now without Brian. Like without the Brian character, yeah. we can't do what we wanted to do. And so yeah. then they pivoted and then Dom becomes heel and everything. And like it's this whole other world and like in – like. The, the emotional weight of Seven with the tribute at the end is, like, undeniable. But, like, Joe, what, what we have noticed over the last, you know, year or whatever since we talked to Kate was, like, it Seven has taken a tumble because it just – it feels like it's not the movie that it was meant to be. And I was never really hype on Seven to begin with. Like, you carry a lot of the emotional weight of Paul Walker's passing in Seven. But on the whole, I'm not super hype on Seven. I think that Seven – well, I think they're all – how do I phrase this? I think <laughs> – I, I think – all of them to a certain degree have a villain problem more okay this is gonna go broader whatever you this is just who i am as a person in general i feel like they have taken a turn toward being more militaristic in tone Mm -hmm. now that they're doing like government stuff and like Mm -hmm. government missions and stuff like that and it really has moved past its initial like heist origins and just for me personally the movies where it's like you got to bring down this war criminal i always feel like are not my thing like i don't they are very imperialist sometimes to me and that's again this like american exceptionalism thing those i don't like as much and like seven is definitely that six also has that eight has that like as we're now getting to them like saving governments i feel like the stories have sometimes become too big so all of the villains kind of like merge together for me and they don't matter as much and they're working together in the world too like they're all connected now and you know we've talked about how like now you can't make one where they don't save the world because you how do you right. lower stakes like that like if you save the world in the last movie how can you not save the world again in the next movie? Yeah, and that's why like I really love 5 because 5 has to me just the right amount of like exacerbating the tension and also it keeps it believable. At least for me. I mean, you know, like a bank vault being <laughs> like dragged throughout the streets is like low-key insane but i can understand one drug dealing entity and one plan like the movie doesn't move around stays in brazil u.s government isn't really involved and like i liked i liked hobbs honestly i liked hobbs sort of as a bad guy i think they've done such a character shift with him do you like what he's become or you don't like what he's become i don't like what he's become because i think he's just become the rock 
in a PG-13 family-friendly movie. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Like, he's just the rock as he is in Rampage or as he is in the Jumanji movies. He doesn't feel to me like he's playing a character anymore. They were just like, all right, buddy, like, put on as much muscle as you want and go for it. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because in 5, like, he is sort of a bad guy. He tells the Brazilian police force he doesn't really want their help. He basically tells them to fuck off. And, like, he's very sure of who these people are. And so when he gets folded into the family, it's like, "Mm, that felt like a step too far. Like he could have worked with them, but not like been an official member of the family. And it's interesting too, because like he and Vin Diesel hate each other. And so I feel like you feel that in eight as well, like that The Rock and Diesel can't get along. So yeah, so five feels like just the right amount of stakes. Like they just want like a little bit money, few million dollars each to do whatever they want. Like that's yeah, fine. Like 10. That's not even that much money. Like no, that's fine. That's livable. Especially when they're making million dollar bets in this movie and then Rico and Tego at the end bet all bet it all. Like, you know. Yeah. Also, where did they go? Do we ever know? They come back. They're they're in eight. They're in one scene in eight. Uh, Very briefly, right? Like I don't. I barely remember. Like a cameo, essentially. But that's what you were saying. That eight feels just like it's just a series of cameos, right? So yeah. Yeah, eight is like that. And Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, like when Ryan Reynolds shows up in Hobbs and Shaw, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, (laughs) I mean, we're we're not really complaining, but uh, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm not a Ryan Reynolds fan, so that sort of that. That would do it, yeah. I did like when, uh, like when Rob Delaney showed up as the basically the British counterpart to his American version. Like I, I like that a lot. But okay, yeah. Any Rob Delaney is good, but yeah, we never, we can never have enough Rob Delaney. No, not at all. Okay, so now we've got a series of basically either or questions and some open ended, no wrong answers. Is our lightning round just to get a sense of who you are at the end of the episode? We're going to do a character quiz. We're going to basically do like a personality, like a J14 quiz. We're going to find out which member of the family you are. But here, this is just to sort of establish your credentials, see who you are, who you more identify with. So first off, are you more of a Brian or a Dom? Brian. Okay. Well. Oh. No, no, it's Brian. It's Brian. Brian. Is Brian a good cop or is he a shitty cop? Brian is a good cop. Are there good cops or are there good cops? Is he capable police officer. Yeah, is he good at his job? It's not an easy answer. I think that he is good enough at his job to know that his job should not exist, which is why he leaves it. Oh, oh that's an interesting take. Interesting. I like that. What I wrote down this time, Joe, was that, you know, we can make fun of him all we want for not necessarily, like, we're, we're as we're, as, as I mentioned, we were breaking down the first movie minute by minute, and, like, in the first movie, he goes to investigate Hector and the family, and he literally shows up in the truck that says the racer's edge on the side. Like, he's the only one driving it around. Like, you're undercover. Why are you giving yourself away like that? Anyway, right. but it's the point break arc, which is that like you're good enough at doing this to realize that like you shouldn't be doing this. Okay. So, yeah. So, yes, I'll say yes, but like, you know, with an asterisk. But what okay. I will say is that in this movie, he proves at the end that he has good timing and he's a great marksman. So, like, I mean, I guess that's also the automancer thing where they're leveling up as the movies go on, but oh, like yeah. even if he's not a great cop in terms of like doing literally doing his job, like not investigating, but like he has the literally cop technical abilities. Criminals in. Yeah, he is he right. has the it's skills. The pieces he of just being chooses a good cop. not to use it, which makes him even worse of a cop. But anyway. Or uses them for the wrong reasons. Yes. He has the skills and he's like, I'm just gonna go rogue, and I respect that. Yeah, just like just like Ethan Hunt, he when he went rogue. Okay. <laughs> Are you more of a Mia or a Letty? Uh, I'd say Letty. Yeah, Ooh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Are you more of a Roman or a Tej? <sighs> this is so, oh, I like that you're so agonizing hard. over every one of these. 
I know it's are difficult. I'm I'll I'll go with I'll go with Tej because okay. in rewatching it, Tej just has like a modest. He just wants to like own a garage like that. You know, like that's a reasonable yeah. desire. And so yeah, I'll go with that. I also do like I, I made note this time when everybody gathers in the garage like after they have that great like Ocean's Eleven like we're gonna get a team and then they all converge on the garage and they're explaining the thing. Brian introduces Dom to Tej and Roman. He's basically like. Here, Vin Diesel. Here's Too Fast, Too Furious. This is the movie you missed. Now we're all caught up. And I just, I never really like thought about it in that term. Like he, yeah, he doesn't know those characters. But it's also like, mm-hmm. here is this other movie. You were not a part of it. Now we're all on the same page. I just thought it was a very different way to look at it that I've never seen before. Yeah, and it's definitely like Brian sort of cluing him into like, there's a part of my life that you weren't a part of, and like it was fine, and now we're all here, and like take my word that they're good. And so I feel like there's enough trust between the two of them that like Dom just takes his word for it. Yeah, okay. Are you more of a Hobbs or a Shaw? These are hard. Yeah, Shaw. Definitely Shaw. Because, again, when I rewatched Hobbs and Shaw, so much more about Shaw's lifestyle appealed to me. I was like, you have a very nice large kitchen. Yeah. You have a very expansive underground garage. Like, Mm -hmm. all of that, you know, he's very precise. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And that movie at least has a shout out to Italian Job, which, again, A+. A+. Are you more a fan of American Muscle or imports. Imports. Okay, that's wildly underpopular, but that's you're you're, yeah. you're close to Joe's heart there on that one. That's that's on yeah. my that's on my side there. Yeah, I, I I do like the imports. I mean, like you can like both and love one more. So yeah, exactly. I'm not like you know fuck American Muscle, but like if given the choice, well, oh, oh god. <laughs> I mean, but so many American Muscle cars are really good. I mean, I feel like are I really would pretty. do. I feel like I would do like American Muscle like up to a certain time period. <laughs> So a lot of and, people do. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Yes. All right. Let's switch. You can oh. switch. Oh, yeah. damn. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I like that I like stopped talking and like you talked her out of being on your team. That's okay. <sighs> no worries. You like what you like, man. There's no yeah. Judgment. I just thought of like the 70s cars and I was like, you know, I have to be true to myself. Are you more a fan of Corona or Belgian ale? Ugh, neither. Ugh. No, no, no answer. No beers no at all? No, no beers at all. Wow, okay. Yeah. Is there a bourbon option? Write in bourbon, and then we'll go from okay, there. Okay, I'll write in bourbon. That's totally fine. Now, we are we're pulling a job. The three of us are pulling a job. Are you a racer? Are you out in the field with us doing the job? Or are you a designer? Are you, as we learned from Spider-Man, the man in the chair? Are you a racer, or are you a designer? Hmm. I will be... I'll be the designer. Okay. Yeah, I'll be the designer. That's fine. Okay. Okay. We are successful in pulling our job. We each win or steal or earn or whatever, $10 million. We go to a casino. We go to the roulette table. Are you putting it all on black or are you putting it all on red? I'm putting it all on black. Is there any reason why? Um, Because I was a middle school goth. And okay. Oh, fair. <laughs> putting it all on black is the way I used to live my life. Not a quarter I'm, mile I'm wearing time. black. Literally every t-shirt I own is black, and it makes my life so easy. Yeah. I mean, I respect that very much. Just streamline. Just streamline it. Yeah. A plane is taking off on a runway. You have to drive your car into the plane before it takes off, or... You're in a car, in a plane, in the sky, and you have to drive out of the plane with a GPS-guided parachute to land on the ground safely. Would you rather drive into the plane, into like into the plane, or out of a plane? Definitely, in, well, definitely into the plane. I think. Okay. I feel like that is. 
I'm very scared of heights. So I feel like if I did that, then I'd at least be there when it's going up versus already being up and having to come down. Fair. Yeah. A lot of people factor the height into it mostly. Yeah. The height is very scary. So the first one for sure. Is the word oil one syllable or two? It's, It's one. It's one. I do wonder, Joe, if like any listeners actually care about this. Like, I am fascinated by all these answers, but I wonder if anybody else cares. I don't know, man. They keep <laughs> listening, so they do. Yes. Okay. I think the quiz is good. Like, this is this is really causing a lot of like introspection. Get ready for the multiple choice quizzes later. You might be yeah. paralysis, like choice by paralysis. We'll find out. Now, neither of these are in the Baltimore, the Greater Baltimore area, but have you had? Do you have a preference between In and Out and Whataburger? Oh, In and Out. 100% in and out Thank you. Had we, no, but when we went out west, in and out was the best. It was affordable. The fries were very good, and we got it animal style, and that was great. And I'm going to go strong in and out That's what that's. I like in and out Joey likes to pretend like what a burger is edible. I'm just unimpressed. I'm going to keep saying it every time when you try to put me down in this way. I'm just unimpressed by In-N-Out. That's my stat. Like, I just like, In-N-Out is a C and like, Whataburger is like a B minus. Ooh, a C? Yeah. yeah like he, average? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, no. I'm, I'm not impressed by it. Well, what are you unimpressed by? Like the size of the burger, the cook on the burger? Just, like just what's the, the overall flavor profile, I feel like. I also, I think if I lived in, if I lived in LA for a while, I think I would maybe have a different, sing a different tune. But mm-hmm. I, when I was down in Austin, there were so many other better, bur- I, I didn't go to Whataburger a lot. There were other better burger places in Austin too. Oh, so sure. But, but if we're talking like chain to chain, like you can't talk about other restaurants, like compared <laughs> with those two, you have to just talk about the chain. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in and out I appreciate like how concise the menu is. It's only a few things and they Same. do those few things well. Same. I'm really I'm okay with that. I mean to that end, that's where I prefer like Five Guys. Like I think Five Guys does a simple thing better than mm. anyone. I used to really love Five Guys, but I feel like it has gotten very, very expensive. It's because really, it's you're wildly crazy expensive. expensive. Yeah. It's wildly inexpensive because you're paying for the possibility of all those toppings. And so then I get more toppings because I'm like, this is like a nine dollar burger. I should get like everything on it and you get it and it's like wet and not good and yeah i don't i don't love it as much as i used to you don't love a wet burger i mean that sounds delicious wet with like cheese yeah yeah Yeah, they get mushy like that's not that's not what i want and they don't toast the bun so then it's just like pure mush yep i'm with you like can you not even give me like a layer of fat like do something you're killing me. And they are like $9. Like, yeah. that cannot be, like, they're oh, very yeah. expensive. You add fries and a drink, you're like, you're 15, 15 20 yep, bucks. 30, yeah. 15. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, because who's just getting a burger? I'm getting a double bacon cheeseburger, and those are like very expensive. Yes. Horrible for me, but, <laughs> but expensive. All right. Would you rather die? I guess so. We have a third option here either from a wet cheeseburger in a fiery explosion oh. or in icy water. Oh my god, these are all so bad. Oh shit. Wet cheeseburger is not really an option, but it can be if you want to die by wet cheeseburger. I, you know, uh, I'll go the cheeseburger route because the water route is scary because I almost drowned when I was a kid. So that fucks me up. And then fire is too close to Paul Walker's death. And that also fucks me up. So yeah, cheeseburger. 
cheeseburger is fine. I don't know. Do I choke on it? Does it like poison me? Like I'm just whatever. Thinking it's like you die from sadness that you it's overpay. Like you're always stepping on it. Yeah, you like you <laughs> empty all your wallet, all your life savings. You can't afford medical it's care. It's in your wallet. You bought all this. You bought this very expensive <laughs> burger. You have no money to cure yourself, and then it's not good. And it's that's just the American condition. Like that's yep. just America. So yeah, yeah American dream. One. You yeah, just said that I'm wrong. Died by America. I, I'm poor. And I don't have health insurance. But I have this wet cheese, double double bacon cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go with that one. Just write down, yeah, American dream. I live paycheck to paycheck and burger to burger. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out. Shout out to Bernie Sanders. Sorry, Bernie. R.I.P. Not R.I.P., but R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, you never know. You can't say RIP these days because who knows? No, just RIP to like my personal hopes and dreams for this country. But, you know. I saw a tweet. John Boyce retweeted. He said, feels like the DNC just told me to go home and get my fucking shine box. And it's like, yeah, okay. Oh, God. It's uh, pretty much. Between between John Prine's death yesterday Mm -hmm. and Bernie today, it's just a lot. I know. It's a lot. Revenge of the nerds or the Dark Knight? Is Is this a real question? Yeah. Like who? Who chooses Revenge of the Nerds? Other people have, but more specifically, Ramsey chooses neither. Because at the end of eight, when Roman says Revenge of the Nerds of the Dark Knight, you know, Who are you going to pick? Go with Taz, you want to go with me? I mean, it sounded like the way that you phrased that first answer. It sounds like Dark Knight slam dunk, but like, I don't want to. I don't want to preemptively write down your answer. No, I mean, if we're talking about just in terms of like cinematic comparisons, we're talking about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, if we're talking like cinematic comparisons, yes, go Dark Knight. But okay. I do think that Dark Knight's ending gets increasingly annoying whenever I rewatch it. The supercomputer thing is basically God's eye from eight. Exactly, and I guess to me, at a certain point, it's it's like, I feel like we already live in that society and we just don't fully acknowledge that we're being surveilled all the time. So there's part of me that like that doesn't land as hard because I'm like, that's just what's happening. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, maybe I'm just very bleak and cynical, but I'm like, this doesn't seem that bad. We're already doing this. But no, the two fairies things sort of bothers me about Dark Knight, but that's neither here nor there. I would still choose it over Revenge of the Nerds. It feels like the two fairies thing in Dark Knight is like the darkest timeline of the good place. It's like, this is what Shady didn't want to have happen. Right. It's, yeah, it's very much like the trolley problem to like a greater scale. I just think it goes on too long. It's a scene that's set up because it's making the point the rich people of Gotham are bad, which mm-hmm. we've always have known so i feel like it just reaffirms that like there was nothing about the like respectable people being the ones who want to blow up the other fairy that surprised me that's fair that's fair we're on a job we need you to go into the other room to distract a room full of people we're like Mm. roxana sing a song karaoke style what song mm-hmm. are you singing? What's very fun about this is that before South by Southwest got canceled, I actually made a karaoke list that oh. I wanted to sing, which I will pull oh. up right now. I would sing Number One Crush by Garbage. Oh, very good. I like that one a lot. It was a very like Romeo and Juliet tinged karaoke list. So, Joe, yeah. are you familiar with Garbage? I don't know. We've never actually talked about Garbage. I went through a, I went through like a no. one year long Garbage phase in college. Never listened to Garbage. Do you know who they are, or you don't even know who they are? No idea who they are. Oh my god! They're basically uh, in like every '90s comedy. 
like only happy when it, like, you would know only happy when it rains. Yes, I know yeah. that one. Okay. okay, but special is also so good. They're yes. all good, and all the music videos were good. And Shirley Manson was very attractive. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah it's it's very worth listening to all the garbage you can find. One more question, then we're gonna get to Joe's brand new question. But do, actually, uh, we could, we'll, we'll save Joe's for last for this time. But yes. do you have a favorite character in the franchise? Yeah, I mean it's Han. It's a hundred percent Han. Okay, yeah, That's a really sure. common answer. People really love Han. I mean, like mm-hmm. we definitely love Han, but I didn't know that. It, I didn't know how how many other people agreed with us. Yeah, how universal yeah. it was. Yeah, I mean, it was Brian, but yeah, mine is Brian slash Han. Like basically, the way that we see the franchise through Brian's eyes is beautiful, but like Han is just so goddamn cool, and he doesn't do any of the like increasing posturing that dom does like again like dom in five is like very sure of himself but he's not being an asshole about Mm -hmm. it like he's Mm -hmm. not getting in your face about it like he's very confident in who he is and his abilities he's just gonna do the job and then i feel like especially in eight it's like god this guy's a jerk (laughs) but like han like han is very steady like he's able to read a room so well he just has all of it without this need to be like almost toxic in his masculinity like i love han oh han so yeah 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 i'm so glad he's back all right joe time to unveil your new question and i think i unless this is a different question i don't know i think i know this is this comes from the minute right yes okay You, you mentioned your boyfriend he says he's going to take you on a date. He says mm-hmm. he's going to take you to this new restaurant he found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's describing the restaurant. He says... There's wood tables. There's wood tables. There's red, red candles. candles. There's food everywhere. No. There's but. food all over the place. There's food all over the place. What does that mm-hmm. mean? What does food all over the place mean? What are the other things that are there? Okay. Well, this is a brand new question. So we, we just went down... So. In the first movie. Don't, no, you explain it after. Explain it after. Okay. Just read okay. it and get the answer first. Okay. It's wood tables. It's red candles. It's plantains. Mm-hmm. It's picadillo. It's food all over the place. Mm-hmm. What does food all over the place mean? <sighs> it's plantain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean. It it's food all over the place. God. I, I mean. Does it mean anything to you? Like, this is the first <sighs> thought that came in your head when I'm like, you need to try this restaurant. There's food all over the place. What does that mean to you? First thing that I think is like you're taking me to a restaurant that I need to help clean. Like it does not <laughs> like crumbs all over the floor. That's what right. I think. A dirty restaurant. Yeah. yeah. It does not it does not imply that like the food is good. Right. It just implies that like there it says was nothing an about the food. You know what it actually makes me think of? It actually makes me think of the food fight in Hook. That's what it makes me okay. think of. Okay. Not a food fight second, too. Yep. Wooden tables and food all over the place. That's the food fight in Hook. We just did <laughs> in our last episode the minute by minute breakdown. And in the first movie. When, oh, I definitely remember him asking her. Yeah. So Vince is comes into the kitchen drunk. And, you know, Mia's like, hey, Vince, what's the name of that restaurant? Uh, you know, the ones, the wood tables got food all over the place. And we're like, Plantain. What? Does that what could that possibly mean? And the the best guess that we have is that like there's food hanging from the ceilings like it's a butcher shop. But that doesn't necessarily make sense. And so Joe wants to ask everybody, when you hear the phrase food all over the place, what's the first thing you think of? Because it's such My a throwaway line. They, they thought but that it was it was large dishes of mm-hmm. food, like large entrees. It's like, oh man, this is like there's food all over the place. It's it's a it's a feast there. Is it a or is it like a buffet? I thought buffet too. If it were a Cuban buffet, I would go. Because plantain 
Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Plantain, little red, red tables, little red candles. Mm. Yeah, that's fine. Mm. Do we do we actually think that it was in the script, or do you think it was something else and they screwed it up? We have no idea. But we, it's like, you know, it's got food. I can't remember, but, you know, it's got food all over the place. Joey messaged me the other day and was like, if we ever meet her. The one question <laughs> I want to ask her is, yeah. what the fuck is food all over the place? What does that even mean? Yeah, I have a lot of questions. Is that the real line? Did you shoot a couple different? Were you improving? Was that in the script? It's really going to haunt me for a long time. If you ever have an update, you can always tweet at us or just email family at Cage Club about me and be like, I got it. I know if it's you, all if over If you the go place. to a restaurant and there's food all over the place, send Take us a, a picture. picture. Send it in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. This is a, this is okay. You know, good question, but Thank a you. crazy, <laughs> a crazy question. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. So now we're going to kick off the conversation. This is all this is all intro. This is all prelude. This is all the, the beginning of the conversation. So now we've got three questions. Answer one. Answer all of them. Whatever you want. This lap, the theme for this lap is kicking it old school. We're kind of focusing. I don't know anything about cars, but Joe's kind of focusing on the cars in these movies. There's mm-hmm. a lot of old school cars in this. There's the Martin Luther King car. There's the cool Dodge Chargers at the end, even though they're not necessarily old. So I got three different questions. Answer as many as you want. Do you have a favorite car movie? Do you have a Barbie dream car? And what's your favorite car or car stunt from this movie? If you have an answer to any one or any of those questions. Do I have a favorite car? I mean, I think car movie could go like a lot of different ways. It's broad. It's super Mm -hmm. broad. I always like a good sort of like race movie. So in that sort of vein, Mad Max Fury Road is definitely in there. That that movie is incredibly relentless. We did a, um, we did a countdown for Pajiba of like the best movies of the decade or whatever. And that was our number one. And I was able to write about that. So that one is very, yeah, that one's very close to my heart. Drive obviously drive yeah. is great yeah. very good one shout out ryan gosling yeah yeah shout out nicholas winding refn just a mm-hmm. fucking crazy person did you see uh too old to die young no it's on my queue but i've heard so many bad things Boy. but they're from people who don't like refn so, so here's I'm- so here's the thing yes i love him i was exhausted by the first two or three episodes because they're all like 90 minutes long basically and then i got to a point where i was like oh no i admire the hell out of you for basically saying fuck you i'm not going to take a single note from anybody i'm making the show that i want to make and this is that weird vision and like i think if you like him and his style and like what he's about you're gonna love that show i don't know if i can deal with that much miles teller he's very good in it and like i have really soured on him since like i first saw him in like spectacular now and i watched it again and i'm like oh i don't even like him in this anymore but he's mm. really good in that show do you not like him as an actor or as a person like what is coloring your I perception think that, i think that like the person element of it like colors him as an actor that's fair i think he's somebody it's very hard for me to separate who he is the artist yeah it's very and like it's not like like i don't think he's done you know here's actually what's funny i don't think he's actually done anything like bad or at least that i recall i just feel like he is living that sort of like douchebag frat boy lifestyle that we were just talking about that like zach efron left behind Mm -hmm. and that might be like totally untrue but it's very much what he gives off so I have definitely avoided watching that show because of him. Although, like, I liked him in Spectacular Now, and there's been a lot of stuff I've liked him in. I just... 
but yeah okay so yeah so like drive mad max and then like they're always movies that just have great cars although i don't consider them like a car movie like the irishman has great cars yeah. it's the kind of movie where i'm like how did you find like all these amazing like vintage cars like that one is definitely up there but i i guess i would say of all of them it's probably tied it's probably tied between like mad max and drive but like ford v ferrari like i feel like we've had a lot of really good car movies lately it's sort of refreshing actually i I feel like there's actually been sort of a focus on like what the cars are and then you know like you always have death proof i don't know that's a good question it definitely makes me think about the things that i have enjoyed watching and thinking to myself like oh that car is actually pretty tight so that's a good one okay Next question was what? Is this the Barbie you, question? You have a Barbie dream car. Just like, you know, if you have like all the money in the world, if you, if we, if we robbed the bank in, in Rio and you had $10 million, what car would you buy? Uh, this is a very good question. I feel like all the cars in John Wick are pretty great. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. maybe yeah. any of the John Wick cars. This very much is like a sign of my childhood, but I always loved Dylan's car on 90210. Okay. What was it? It was a Porsche, like a vintage Porsche. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like a Porsche. It's a 356. That's oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Me. Um, yes, like that car was pretty tight. Yeah, I think that just because like there, you know, there very much was that appeal of like watching 90210 and like he pulls up in the car and he's going to whisk Brenda away. And so that was always, you know, that's like a like a solid teenage girl fantasy. <laughs> and then what was the last question? I'm sorry. Do you have a favorite car or a favorite car stunt in this movie? And this is a, I mean, kind of a weird one because, like, there are car stunts, but it's also kind of like a grounded. Like, this is kind of the last before it gets crazy before we're right. on the world's longest runway. This is kind of the more based in reality type of thing. Yeah. I, well, because I just rewatched it today, I do really like the train heist where they're stealing the cars off the train because that to me is like so awesome. And I feel like with that one, you really feel the individual choices they have to make like they have to get in the car trust that mechanism that like moves over like moves the car over Mm -hmm. onto the thing that's like driving beside them and then they you know it's like all right we trust you like go off into the desert or whatever (laughs) so like that one i really like because that's just like a great way to like start the movie and set you into the space and i have a really weird fascination with trains so all of that kind of came together for me in a really good way but the question i had when rewatching this movie brian and Mia, there is a third car in the beginning when they do the heist to break out Dom. Do we ever like get confirmation as to who was in the third car? I don't know. Um, I think Brian and Mia yeah. were driving together, right? Or was no, it Brian and Mia separately? There are, there are three separate like black Dodge Chargers that are all and it's part not Han. Of oh, you mean at the beginning of the movie where they're breaking Dom out of the bus? In the end of the last yeah. movie. Who's in the third car? So it's not Han because Han leaves at the beginning of four right so he has to get called back in so it's brian it's mia they never show the other person Mm -hmm. and in five when they're talking about like the and when it's all over the news and they have like the news footage or whatever they just refer to brian and mia but the opening sequence has three cars it does yeah so i've I've always been curious about that and i was just reminded of my curiosity the train is actually my favorite stunt but the opening is what bothers me (laughs) The opening of the train part or the opening of the movie? 
the opening of the movie when they bust Dom out, just because I'm always thinking, who is in that third car? And it's like, is that something that we're going to come back to? Like, do they no. leave that open because there's a way? I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. The thing that got me about the opening this time was is we always comment on how many civilian casualties there are and like mm-hmm. how we don't really care about any lives that like mm-hmm. seem like they just like make so like it's so passive on like, oh, like all these people are dying. But like I watching it this time and I was thinking about that, the bus flips and the guy's like notorious criminal Dominic Tretto is broken out of jail today in like a crazy bus crash. And he's like, strangely, no one died. And then like, right, and he just right. all the prisoners on. are accounted for. Every prisoner yeah. is accounted for. I'm like, did you watch that bus just like tumble <laughs> like 50 right. times down the road? And he's like, yeah, everybody's fine. Like, yeah. okay. Just like some like cuts and bruises. Like it's really okay. We're still at the point where they have to even like passively like say this, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. because like we get, as we get further, they're just like, we don't care that people are dying. No, background. people are dying. But even this one, like when they show Dom in the like prison transport bus, he's not like wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Like, he's just sitting in the bus. So that bus yeah. flips over, like, eight times. Nobody was seriously was injured. Bus. Yeah. Well, well, Joe, maybe right. to the point that I made in the intro, where we learn in the first movie where he says, I did two years in Lompoc, I'll die before I go back. Maybe he's not wearing a seatbelt because he's hoping the bus gets him to a car accident and he gets killed rather than go to prison. So maybe it's all part of his master plan. All I'm thinking is, is I just oh. wish that the, the newscaster would have described it as people all over the place. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> it's a bus, you know, four wheels, a steering wheel, people all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry. for sure. So many people die in these movies and we don't talk about it at all. No. <laughs> There's so many cops specifically that die in this movie, but they throw it all away with the one they're like, oh, yeah, only corrupt cops are after you. So it's like their lives are inherently less valuable because they are, you know, economically downtrodden and have to rely on, like, bribe money from a drug lord to, like, yep. get by. But, you know, they're corrupt. So, like, who cares if, like, a safe, like, obliterates their truck or, like, decapitates them or, like, knocks them into the water? Like, they took money once. Who cares? They're not yeah. – their lives aren't worth living. They're not people. No, it's fine. It's really okay. Joe, is there another, is there a uh, a stunt or a car in this movie that you're particularly fond of? I, I really like the the jump, uh, to piggyback off that, I like the jump off the end of the train thing with Dom driving into the lake, Brian on the car. Mm-hmm. That's like my favorite part of that. I, I think it's a continuation of that stunt. That piece of it with them like in the air and the car flying and all that stuff, that really gets me going every time I see it. And that also, again, feels like something that's like, I mean, it's insane, but it also feels like realistic and sort of tangible. Like once we're getting to like cars driving out of airplanes with parachutes. Yeah. It's like, yes. it's so wild that I can no longer feel fear about it. But I remember watching this and thinking like, this could actually like be bad for them. And it's not, they're fine. They're whatever. But it was a moment that really made you gasp. Yeah. And it's so early on in the movie. Yeah. Like yeah. they do so much early on in the movie to like set the tone of like, this is how amped we're going to do this shit. It's going to be good. I think one thing that I always forget until I watch this movie is how methodical the first 45 minutes of this are. Because, oh, like, the family doesn't gather until, like, 40, 45, 50 minutes in. Like, there's so much where it's just Vince 
for a little bit, but then like Dom and Brian and Mia, and it's just like the core group. But it's like it's kind of the movie that we had all in four, and they don't want to let go of that yet. They're just like, let's keep this together because we're we know that we're about to blow this up in terms of just number of people, and it's never going to get be able to get back down to that core group. <laughs> like, let's just enjoy this as long as we possibly can. It's very intimate. And I think you really get a sense of a lot of people at this point are like gone from their lives. Like they lost Letty. Vince might've betrayed them at that certain point. Like that first escape through the favelas when like Brian and Mia are holding hands and then eventually they meet up with Dom again. Like there are some real emotional stakes there. I just think about the fact like when she tells them that she's pregnant and like, there's just a lot about that whole thing. Yeah. There's nothing more good than telling your boyfriend and your brother at the same time that you're pregnant. Right, right. Just guess, guess what? The <laughs> family. Right now. <laughs> I just Googled, uh, do Brian and Mia get married? Because I don't think they ever do. Like, we know that No, Dom, they don't. I thought about this this time, too. That's Dom weird. and Letty get secret married that we see at the end when, you know, she's reminding him, right? She's trying to bring him back to life with memories. But yeah. I like on Google, you know how, like, when you ask a question, they, says, they also ask, like, or they also say, people also ask. And one mm-hmm. of them, verbatim, is just, what happened, Mia Toretto? Not what happened to. What happened, Mia Toretto? And I no, all I mean, over the place. We're all over the place. Yeah, it's fine. Do we not see them wear? Well, do we not see them wearing rings? I don't know. I don't think so. I never noticed it. Right. They have the kid. Well, I mean, and I think we would have known in the new movie because aren't they? Well, no, because that's Dom's kid. Right. Wait, are that's- they living at thirteen twenty seven? I guess they are. We've never talked about that, Joe. Like, remember when, like, when when Deckard bl- sends the bomb, the thirteen twenty seven, he blows up the house. Like, Dom, Brian, and Mia also live in this house. And yes. Jack, and Jack, yes, and presumably Letty. I would, I, I would imagine she does. That house is big, but it's not that big. No, I feel like also you're all like multi, multi, multi millionaires. No, I feel like they all live there. Maybe. That's amazing. Yeah. It's gonna be like full house. Like the house, like it's it's it looks decent on the outside, but like it's huge inside. I want a sitcom of that. Oh my yeah, god. I would watch that. I definitely want that more than like Fuller House or any of that crap. <laughs> Dom, Dom, Brian, me and Letty all living in one tiny house. That's the sitcom. Ugh. You know what though? I do feel like it's not even like looking at pictures now, like the inside was small, but the outside of that house is actually pretty big. Yes. And we don't really know what upstairs looks like other than we have we know Mia's room from the first movie. They probably have a third floor. There's probably an attic at least. There's you definitely think- a basement. Do you think that, like, Dom, just like Uncle Jesse, got relegated to the attic when, like, Mia and Brian essentially got married, effectively got married, but without getting married? Like, when they no. settled down and got domestic, that Dom's like, no. all right, I'll go Brian's upstairs. In the attic. Brad Brian's Brian in, the attic. in the attic, for sure. 100%. And Mia's still back in her old room. <laughs> yeah, they sleep separately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dom definitely has the basement. Like, 100%. No. It's like half garage. with It's, it's a garage with a bed in it. Well, but they have a garage. Right? They have a separate garage. The detached, yeah. Right. So maybe that's like his apartment slash... He's like in a loft up there? Yeah. I think so. I got a lot of questions. That's his man cave. Like, that's where he goes to hang out and get out of the house. But, like, he's clearly still in his room. Me and Brian got delegated to go upstairs. They're in the attic. But is there anything about Dom that makes you think he would even have a room that's separate from a garage? He does, because Letty walks him up to his room in the first one. Hmm... To get, she says, come give me a massage. And she's presumably yeah. not living there, so he does have a bedroom. He has one. I don't think he uses it often. But at that point, he does. I don't know. And I don't think he would give it up, because it's like it's his house. Yeah, it is their family. Well, or is it his dad's house, and they're just living there? You know what I mean? 
because we learned we hear again about this is the movie where you know we find out that his dad had the family barbecues like it feels like like that's a weird thing that i've thought about like not that i'm ever going to live in my parents house but like as they get ready to sell it like if i say i bought it from them do i move into like their bedroom like that's a weird that's a weird that's thing so weird i could never do that it's so creepy to me okay the internet claims that letty lived down the street yeah that's where yeah, growing, that's where up, yes. growing up yeah okay but maybe she still does maybe she still lives with her parents <laughs> this is just did, like did, just did letty have parents because how old is she in the first movie like 25 really yeah. oh i thought she was supposed to be way younger than that maybe maybe 20 yeah i thought like 1920 because like that was 20 years ago so she's probably what 40 45 now i would know she's, she's probably she's like 27 40. now <laughs> i feel like she's probably like between 40 and like 43 actually no we, we i think we own oh, letty's tombstone yeah we looked yeah, it yeah, up yeah, we yeah, knew her age at the beginning leticia ortiz born in 83 so she's supposed to be 18 in the first movie that makes that makes a lot of sense actually but that's also 18 in the new timeline that basically so i think i think she's supposed to be like 21 because i think they basically retrofitted it so like three years got cut i think okay like i think they condensed everything so she's supposed to be like between let's say we can safely say between like 18 and 21 in the first movie okay it's a lot of math and a lot of like weird real estate discussion oh, <laughs> this is all about real estate that's you know on <laughs> top of microwave you know yeah. so now fast five roxana what do you love about this movie and, that, and we talked about it sort of through and through as we've you know mm-hmm. we talked here so far but like what do you love about this movie favorite parts favorite moments like what about this movie stands out above the rest like what makes this one your favorite other than just like the perfect blend of everything like what are your favorite parts about fast five it's definitely my favorite because i feel like it is the own one of the only ones like the first one that actually feels like it has real stakes and real consequences for these characters how to even begin to start with one like the thing that i love about one is like they all lose something and they all walk away from something and they're actually lasting Mm. repercussions and so for me i really do actually enjoy stories that end and it's sort of weird to say that in the context of fast and furious because we talk about how this franchise is going to last forever but one like if one had ended where it did i still would have been satisfied with that story and i honestly feel like if five had ended when it did i also still would have been satisfied with that story like they have their one big heist they have their one big score everybody is moving on with certain parts of their lives dom has a new person that he's in love with like everybody has split up and they're doing their own thing and so something about the finality of that really works for me because i think it then allows for them to play around with really interesting things within the movie itself and you get the return of Vince and you get the friction that that brings to the group Mm -hmm. and there's actual real tension there I think between Dom and Brian and Vince and this idea of what the crew was versus what it is now and we haven't yet gotten to that point where they're actually saving the world like there's something about when the story gets that big that I feel like it almost becomes a little bit anonymous because they're now good at everything. You don't remember the stuff that they're really good at, but five focuses so much on what they're really good at, which is the driving and the planning of this heist and just being really good criminals, figuring out how to get into the prison is very ingenious and very fun and they're stuck in one location and I just feel like there's more intensity to the story because we're not like fucking around with like 
continent hopping and you're not getting random U.S. government intervention. It just feels very tightly constructed, which is surprising for a movie that's like 130 minutes long. Whole thing just flows. Like it starts off with Breaking Dom, then you get the train heist, then you get the introduction of the team, then you get Hobbs coming in and doing his whole like beefy government agent thing, and then you have that shootout where Hobbs realizes that like maybe he's been wrong this whole time. And it just it feels like there is like one really good action set piece, but it's not all action set pieces. You do still have the crew hanging out, Han falling in love like i don't know man i just i really love it (laughs) (laughs) i just really love it i think it flows the best out of any fast and furiouses and i think you get the best sense of who these characters are because they're not superheroes yet like they're still just really good average ass people who became so good at what they do that they can pull this off but they're not like as we talked about in the other movies like not like shoving nuclear warheads out of the Mm -hmm. path like you know what i mean like they're not like they're not at that level yet they're still just like super good at like cracking this code and figuring out how to get all this movie all this money and like I really love heist movies. So for me, this feels like the one that is most a heist movie and the one that pulls it off in the most satisfying way. What I love most about your description is that in describing what you love about this movie and one, I can also completely see why you love seven because seven in a lot of the ways, a lot of the things that you like about this movie and the first movie about the finality, about like all those elements It's like, yeah, Seven kind of feels that way, too. And it's because of the tragedy, obviously. Like, you know, I I do really feel like the franchise could have ended with Seven because I so strongly, like, I actively dislike Eight. Like, I don't know if there's anything I really enjoy about Eight. Just because I feel like Eight becomes very generic. Having a internationally renowned hacker as a bad guy to me is very generic. Like, as these stories became bigger i feel like they sort of lost like the magic of the core group but like you guys were very on point like in the beginning of this movie when it's brian and dom and mia like there is such a like fierceness to the bond that the three of them have and like it's great when everybody else comes in like it's funnier and like you get more opportunity for group dynamics and like i love when they're all razzing each other when they're trying to outspeed the camera like there's a lot of that stuff that's great like group dynamic stuff but like the three of them together is also so good and i just feel like we lose those like very specific character details after a certain point in this franchise but five is like the zenith of all of that stuff yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. five is loved by a lot of people and i agree with you like it's way up there for me and for these reasons it's it's a nice in between like they're just really good at being normal people they haven't ascended that and we we've talked a lot joey and i that like we don't know how they're gonna keep topping it if hobbs and shaw was like you're fighting a virus that's gonna kill everyone and like evil corporation like what what is the what is the final boss in this in this trajectory like we're all we've gotten there and they've had to top it over and over again so like where are they gonna go yeah and i'm nodding along because to me like i really do feel like when everything become and this is this is sort of like why i don't love our current like comic book superhero cinematic worldview i just feel like you lose something when you're saving the world like every time Mm -hmm. and these movies have become saving the world 
every time. <laughs> and so at a certain point, it's like, I really don't know where they go. And so when I joke about going to space, it's like, well, maybe there's something new in space that they can do because a lot of stuff that they've done on Earth is like the biggest of the big. So like, where do you go from there? But, like, there are things about the other movies that I like. Like, I, I like that we get more sort of, like, foes for Letty. I love Gina Carano, and I loved her character. And just, yes. like, being, like, a more Letty version of Letty, like, that was <laughs> sort of enjoyable. And so there are other things, like, I don't necessarily dislike anything except for eight. It's just that five is, like, everything perfectly packaged together. Yeah. I also just have written down here that you said about breaking Dom out in the beginning, and I was just thinking, Joe, to your heart's content, that the end of four and the beginning of five are basically breaking Dom part one and breaking Dom part two. So (laughs) Twilight Forever. There's there's a crossover. There's a synergy that we've been looking for. What if Jordana Brewster rage quit Fast and Furious <laughs> and Kristen Stewart replaced her? I would love it. I'd be okay. I mean, I love Mia. I am Mia. I know that. But I mean, I like Kristen Stewart a lot. So and, I mean, they, do, I, and they do a full like new Aunt Viv situation. And oh they just God. like don't address it at all. She's just like new Mia. There's like a 20 year age difference. <laughs> yeah. And they don't look anything alike. So no, like, I would just like them to bring her in and be like, damn, Mia. So like, I, and then Roman's like, "You look a little different." She's like, "I know, oh my new, new haircut," and like tosses her hair. <laughs> What's funny though is like, I you know, I always think like, who else could join this franchise? Because like, this one does, you know, this one also does such a good job of like acknowledging where the franchise has been in a way that feels very natural, like bringing in everyone who has come before and like letty's absence is obvious like i really love michelle rodriguez but i do think that they have struggled to figure out how to write her after bringing her back so in this one it's almost like her absence like it sucks and i miss it but at least then you're not just dealing with like three movies of like amnesia (laughs) storyline this is still like okay so like we're going to incorporate some new people we're going to acknowledge where this franchise has been. And I feel like this is really the start of like how interconnected it gets to be, but like interconnected in a way that still feels like really cheeky and fun versus the interconnection that's then going to be like the U.S. government being like, save us. Like this is still just like, okay, all these friends, all these people are tight. They all know each other. When they go to get new cars, Brian and Dom are recognized because they are low-key famous, but it's not weird. It makes sense. All of the characters like how people react to them also makes sense in this movie. Like I love when Hobbs says, "Like we never let them get into cars." Like, yeah, don't let them get into a car. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> and that this is terrible. But that Vince actually dies—that's fine because then you get that sense of like his arc closed. Like he came back, he did some heroic shit, and we, we get that opportunity of like we closed the circle on that character and this franchise now so rarely does that that it's nice that they did it i thought in a very emotional way okay so we say that a lot the family's gotten really big that they need to start killing some people off right oh yeah they need to like just for the gravity of it and to like just trim it down 
who do you pick to kill off next? Who would you be uh, fine seeing go? Roman, like 100%. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Roman's an obvious choice. Roman's an obvious choice who, to be perfectly frank, I don't think has like much emotional impact. I think if you were really a heartbreaker, you would actually kill Han. Well, we did, and then we unkilled him. Right. Oh, so you're saying like perma kill him in nine? Yeah. Like dead, yeah. dead. See the body dead, like beheaded dead. or something. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like not like to that degree, but yeah. Like I think actually killing Han would have like some real emotional weight. Because like think Roman... kill him again, I think it's kind of a cop out. I think we have to kill somebody new. But who else has the same level of emotional impact? If you kill Mia, that's incredibly fucked up because we know that Paul Walker is dead. R.I.P. Paul. So like killing Mia is yeah, just like insult doesn't we play well. Killed Letty once. You already killed Letty. You know, I think, yeah, I think we gotta do? get maybe rid of two people. Like two minors equal one major. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if we kill off like two lower tier characters, it'll be like the same impact as like a Mia dying. I mean, you could kill the character that Natalie Emmanuel plays because I don't yes, even like, remember like Ramsey and Roman like at the same time. And that's how they get together. They go out in a blaze of glory. Oh right. yeah, they like she finally kisses them as like the as it's going down. But I also think it's one of those things too where it's like part of me feels like the optics of that are bad because like oh, the characters sure. that they've added are like the non-white characters. Yeah. So I also oh, 100%, think it's like, yes. you, yeah. I this mean, is another part- thing that we play like you can't you actually right. can't kill off the minor tier characters without it looking pretty bad. Yeah, I mean uh, it's so it's so hard too because like now that they've made them all like superhero level, it's like how could any of these people and like you guys have said you've brought back Letty, you've brought back Han, who do you believably kill, you know? No one. It's Dom. Like Dom I got Dom got to go. At the end, at the end of 10, Dom's gone. That's that's I gotta mean, be the play. What if you kill Dom at the end of nine, and then ten is like a time jump, soft reboot? No, they said they're they're finishing at ten, and I kind of believe but that. I, but I just mean in terms of like that would actually sort of be interesting to me <laughs> if like you did a soft reboot with like one of their kids because now we've oh we've been clamoring for that too. Like Dom's yeah. kid and Brian's kid come together and they just start the next wave of fast. Like the end of ten really has to be Dom's kid and Brian kid like getting a car together. Like, right. that has to be the end of 10. So we could just, like, yeah. start this thing all over again. Right. That would be fine. Or, like, if they hate each other. Do we yeah. have that Brian dies and that, like, Brian's son blames Dom? And that starts, like, Fair. a familial rivalry? I mean, like, there's a different... There's, like, a lot of different ways that they could play it. It's just I feel like 9 and 10, it's like, where do you go? Like, I don't... You know, like, I don't know. And can we not bring back Scott Eastwood like that? Like, don't, don't do that. Don't. <laughs> Who's Scott Eastwood? That's a little nobody. Oh, yeah. Fair. Terrible. Yeah, don't bring that guy back. He sucks. I will say on the, on the topic of loss and bringing people back that I feel like Vince's death in this one, Joe, hit me harder than it ever has before. I think because of our Fast and Furious Minute, I think that because we're so close to Vince minute by minute in the first movie that I feel yeah. like him leaving here, I think it's also like what Roxanne was saying, like the finality of it that feels like different in the world. But it's also yeah. like, oh, like this is it's hitting harder this time. It's weird. It is weird. Vince occupies that space where like Vince isn't wrong in the first one. You know, like No, he was he, right the whole he, time. He was right the whole time. He's so, the best like, friend Dom has. He's right. the only friend telling him the truth the whole time. I think a lot about the helicopter rescue scene in the first one and how good that is. I feel like that's the best acting that Vin Diesel has done in any of those movies. When he's listening to Paul Walker make the phone call 
to get mm-hmm. a helicopter there for Vince. Like Dom's outright fury in that moment is, I think, like the best performance that Diesel has actually had. Because after a certain point, it just feels like Vin Diesel's just playing himself in the same way that Dwayne. It's, it's this one. I think five is it. I think five is the turning point. Like when I he, think it's six actually. But tell me why you think it's five. He does a lot more groaning and grunting in five, and specifically <laughs> when I was watching like the chain when he like comes and gets the chain back from Elena in this one this time I was like that's it like this this is where he's like okay now I'm just this person in these movies from here on out it just gets progressively like stronger where he's just like oh but like when he like goes to pick up the chain he was like like I needed to and like does like the really throatiness (laughs) and I was like okay we haven't gotten to like that part yet like in four like we're not there yet and even in the this is brazil i'm like okay cool we're not there yet but it's like specifically Mm -hmm. like when he gets the chain he like he turns and that's his whole his his character arc from there on out so the chain is the problem (sighs) no the chain's not the problem (laughs) the chain is the solution the chain the chain is the solution he needs to dis what is it like he needs to remove the spell from the chain or something And he's like, <laughs> yeah, he needs to exercise it. Hey, Roxana, who do you think would win in a fight, Dominic Toretto or Iron Man? I, that's a terrible. Ugh, God, can I say neither? <laughs> can, I say three, three. Batman, can I say Iron Man, Dom Toretto? Who wins? Can I say that John Wick beats them all? Can sure. I, can I yeah, say that? That's fair. Yeah, you're allowed yeah. to say whatever you want. Yeah. I think the most romantic moment in any film in the last 10 years is John Wick stabbing that guy in the chest and watching the life slowly drain out of his soul. Because uh, in the red circle, like just, who oh boy, it's just the most intimate moment you could possibly imagine. I think that like Dom and John Wick both have like very similar fighting styles. Like Dom is willing to like throw a punch and get very up close and personal with you to like make this go down. Iron Man always seems to me like he always wants to do stuff from a distance. Iron Man is the Shaw. He's like, so at the end of seven, right? Where like you thought it was gonna be a street fight. You're goddamn right. Like Dom is... John Wick, and I guess, and Shaw is Iron Man. He, you know, he'd rather shoot from a shoot from afar and use technology. Yeah. yeah, which there's part of me that's like, all right, buddy, like, don't show off. Like, can we just can we do this like the old fashioned way? There are still so many things about Dom and Five where he is like a real person. But you're definitely right that at the end, like when he goes and he gets the necklace back, I definitely feel like that's when he becomes more of this like. Like everything is just like a sort of monotonous grunting reaction. That's definitely true. It's definitely the end of five. I mean, is it an acting choice or is it sort of the accumulation of like that is the thing, the only like real, like tangible memory he has of Letty, who he presumes is dead? So it would like undo and it doesn't undo. I don't know. Yeah, like he doesn't go back to being a different person, like when Letty comes back. Like he very much still plays. I, I just think that he's so- it does seem like in the trailer for nine that he is softer. I think softer because of fatherhood, though. Yes. No, I mean, that's, that's, the same, that's the same thing that happened to Brian, though. Like, Brian and Mia, like, Brian was always, like, this neurotic, like, you know, strung out whatever cop. And then he had a, he became a dad and he kind of mellowed out. And I think that that might, that might be the same thing for Dom. I think he's a lot mellower in five. Like, I think he's just more mellow in five regardless, even before he finds out that she's pregnant. Like, I think that they seem a lot more stable in their relationship in five and he just seems like more willing to protect her i also think in five you get a sense that like and you got this more in four and five has sort of moved past it but i think in five you get the realization that like brian regretted some shit 
And now he's really just trying to be there. Like he's trying to be present for both Dom and Mia. And I think that's what adds to that like tightness of the three of them in the beginning. But I feel like once you get past five and then just like everybody becomes family and Dom is so much like the patriarch of this family, I never really feel like he's a member of the family anymore past five. I feel like he's like the leader and that changes yeah. the dynamics of how that character is played. Five is the last time that it really feels like he's rolling with them rather than like directing them. Interesting, interesting, interesting. No, I like that. I, that's an interesting perspective, and I and I like it. One thing that I actually that Joe we've been talking about in the minute a little bit. Remember, we were talking about like with a prayer, like Roxana. An idea that we had, yes. sort of like a theory that we kicked around, was that the Christianity, like there's been, you know, we had a we had a past guest on here who was written for Yahoo, and she was talking about how like Dom is kind of like a Christ-like figure, and there's all these comparisons, and like the necklace is his embodiment of Christianity and all this different stuff. And we were talking about in the minute, like wondering if maybe Mia was the central focus of like where the family, like why they pray before meals. Like in the, especially in the last movie, like in four where Dom is, he comes back and then Dom takes the first bite or whatever. And Mia's like, Dom, you know, the rules, like you have to say grace. And I was mm-hmm. wondering, cause we hear in this one, Brian's Story. like tell me about your dad. And that's when he's like, we talked about on the minute a couple of weeks ago, Joe, where it's like, he always used to throw a barbecue after blah, blah, like after church. And you, if you didn't go to church, you didn't get barbecue. But so it maybe feels like Mia inherited, like, and not only did her dad spend a lot of time with her doing homework, but maybe she also got her Christian values from her dad. Like, it feels yeah. like that's kind of where, like, to, to sort of reinforce our theory, it could be that. I think so, too. I think that's probably possible. I mean, I also think, again, just in terms of, like, family, I think it's, like, one of the most, like, recognizable elements of family is, like, the opportunity to all be able to sit down together and share a meal. Uh, there's a unifying feature of that, that the movie has built up to, like, such an almost, like, holy ritual. I mean, it's very noticeable in eight, like, who they allow into the family table. Like, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Definitely wonder, I mean, that's a very good question. Like, who is the one who is more faithful here? And sort of also, like, how does that guide their values yeah you know because in the beginning it's sort of a little bit of like a robin hood sort of situation like they're stealing from corporations and like they're wild young kids or whatever and then by five they're obviously like doing the heist for themselves which like is fine but you know it's still like mostly self-centered but then by the end of it it's like yeah we're saving the world and that then definitely becomes christ-like in terms of like this is our responsibility to be able to do this so it's sort of interesting to see how that has transformed but like it's very within the christian tradition for like characters to come back to life and all of that sort of like if you have enough faith in something, it can make it happen. I mean, we've seen like two characters now <laughs> come back from the dead. Yeah. Like 
Easter's really soon. Like that's some real <laughs> shit. So yeah, so that's definitely that's definitely interesting. But I don't remember. Like, did their mother die? Did their mother leave? I don't remember the Toretto mother backstory. Do we know? No, I don't think we do. That feels to me like a like a depressing oversight. What we know about the dad, what we presume about the dad, is that he was in a racing accident and he like slammed into a brick wall or something and presumably died. And that's yes. happened some indeterminate amount of time before the first movie. And we're thinking based on like set locations and filming locations and like that we're going to get some kind of flashback possibly to that in nine. So we might get more about the mom too, but we have just kind of like a vague, like it makes sense in this movie why they're talking about Dom's dad because Brian's becoming a dad. And like, you know, he should want to know about the entire Toretto family, but I think he's just like, I'm worried about becoming a dad. I don't know how to become a dad. I don't remember my dad. Tell me about your dad. And it's like a very personal dilemma there. So I understand why he's not asking about the mom, but in the greater scheme of things, the greater scale of things, like with family such a core tenant in all of this, why don't we know more about the mom? I think because she must have died when they were like super young or something. That's what it always felt like to me. She died giving birth to Jacob, that massive, massive baby. For <laughs> right. John, John Cena. Dun, 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 dun. He just also, comes yeah. out. Where is Jacob in the conversation? Like, not to derail the conversation we were having, but like, where is Jacob in the conversation when like Dom's talking about like he helped Mia with homework and he was around for barbecue? Like, where's Jacob no, at? Because you know what could have happened. This is the only thing that I could imagine. I'm sorry I cut you off. But the only thing I could imagine is if the mom left and she was pregnant and John Cena didn't grow up with them. Oh, that's a really good play i like that i was thinking it was like his stepbrother and like his dad had like a secret affair or something that they find out about here that might be what they do because i feel like we've never it's actually you know there is very much an argument to be made that like the series severely limits its female characters like Mm -hmm. mia only becomes brian's wife and romantic partner and letty's personal development has stalled out because so much of it is just in relation to her connection to Dom and like remembering who she was all that sort of stuff but I feel like you get that most obviously in the fact that like we don't even know their mom's name they never have like you said well we don't know their dad's name either but but yes but they have all these memories of their dad I mean if we if we go by that faith argument then like a lot of their core principles as adults are shaped by their father but to not even say like our mom died or like she left or like they got a divorce or like whatever you know so like the only thing i could think is like if you're making john cena their brother somehow then maybe we're going to get some sort of like tragic story like they the mom had left and like they had a secret brother i mean like i don't i don't know but like They've done so much to be like, it was Letty and Mia and Dom growing up together. It was the three of them that I don't know how you fit a brother into that. But do we know, does he call Dom his older brother? or No, all we know is that Letty says Dom, like they're brothers or whatever. But like, we don't know. That also could be metaphor. I mean, probably not. It'd be a real weird cop out or a misdirection if they were metaphorical brothers. But, you know. Jacob is Dom's brother is all we know. And that's that's not from Dom's yeah. mouth, it's from Letty's mouth. Yeah, that's the only thing that I could think because then that solves two problems. It solves your mom problem and it solves the who the hell is John It's Cesar. a smart writing move. I like it. As like I, I just realized pausing for a second and like for a future lap when we have Nico and Kevo on next lap and then we have, you know, whoever on the next after that. 
the way that we're having this conversation now, and like Roxanne, you inspired me this just like the conjecture here, right? Now that nine has been delayed for a year, what I want to do is in addition to watch, like bringing the people through the movies in order, I want to, in their quote, exit interview, right, Joe, like we had with Kara, I want to live watch the F9 trailer with them and hear the reactions in real time. And like, it's so much of like what we're like in retrospect, like the retro thing that we were talking about at the beginning of this interview, right? The beginning of this conversation, right? Like so much of this has been wonderfully retrofitted to hear essentially their brains break in real time is going to be such a joy because we will like by that point have had like a year to sort of digest the fact that Han is not dead, the fact mm-hmm. that he's a brother, like all of this. And I want to hear, like, we just spent 18 weeks or whatever talking about <laughs> the movies, and none of that is true now. Like, all of this is different. Like, <laughs> what is happening? Watch it, watching the trailer with Rachel when I didn't tell her what happened was so, so incredible. <laughs> she was just like, no, no. <laughs> Roxana, in terms of nine, is that, where do you fall on that? Are you, I mean, obviously you love Han. Are you happy that he's back? Or to your point that two characters have come back from the dead, are we undermining the credibility of the franchise? I think to be perfectly frank, like we lost the credibility a while ago, but that's <laughs> sort of what makes it fun. I, I have a very uneasy relationship with them because I, I do think that they get less credible, you know, to go back to our idea of like taking yourself seriously. I feel like all of them aside from eight didn't really take themselves that seriously. There's like mm-hmm. a certain campiness to the whole yeah. endeavor that's like very fun and refreshing. And then eight was like so serious aside from the baby and the plane that it just felt a little bit like a slog. But I think you can't bring back Han and not have it be fun. Like his energy is just so different from everybody else in the cast that I'm very hopeful to have him back. But now I'm worried because I said killing him would like be a big deal that I'm like, are you going to bring him back just to kill him again? (laughs) (laughs) I would be so sad. I might like, I cried when he appeared in the trailer. Like I, I was just like, wait, what? Like what is happening? (laughs) Like he walks in like eating something. And I always loved that. I always loved that he was doing the like Brad Pitt in oceans movies, Mm -hmm. constantly snacking. So like, I'm very excited to have him back. So I'm, I'm very hopeful to a certain degree that this one will be a little bit more of a return. And I think bringing Han back actually raises an interesting question because it's like, do you then have Han and Shaw in a room together? Like, how do you now reconcile these various elements of your story? We saw Han's funeral. Like, how do you explain that? Like, so there's a lot of stuff that I think, I wonder, will they like gloss over it? Or will we get more flashbacks to sort of flesh out how these things fit together they're all very good questions and i honestly have no idea yeah i don't know who knows who knows i don't know who knows but i think the only thing we know is that Charlize is the bad guy again like i think that's the only thing here's here's the bigger question to you this is again sort of like a summation of like our thoughts over the last say two years of this doing this podcast we were not high on eight for a lot of the reasons that you point out like we don't like dom against the family we don't like the hyper-seriousness of it. We don't think that a lot of it feels like Fast and Furious. I don't think that Charlize is a great bad guy in that. I don't think that she's given a lot to do. I think the tippy-tappy, I'm going to show them what I can do on a computer, isn't very visually exciting. But the fact that she's coming back for nine gives me more hope and kind of makes me like eight more in retrospect. So the question to you, I guess, what do you think of Charlize in eight as the character, as Cypher? Knowing that she's coming back in nine change that in any way and do you think that she is the 
head of this organization or do you think there's someone above her do you think she ties into etion at all uh okay a lot man a lot so much i know but like you're the first person in a while that we've had on who has like seen everything that like you know we i feel like we're able to dive deep in a way that we haven't really been able to in a while and like i feel like i'm, I'm hungry for this deep conversation with a new voice <laughs> a new, new mind i really did not like cypher i okay. didn't like the character i didn't like charlize's performance I apologize in a way because a lot of, you know, like a lot of my reactions to this is just based on like my own political perspective, but I, in a lot of ways, am very bored of certain like terrorist narrative writing. Mm -hmm. So I just found her motivations very confusing and very boring. And I didn't really understand. I didn't think that they did a very good job explaining why like the world's best hacker would be so obsessed with this guy who just drives cars really well i mean you know like we've gotten to the point now where dom is essentially a superhero so once you elevate him to that status then i sort of understand why cypher would be so fascinated i think because they made the stakes so high i just never bought it like i didn't buy her character and her draw to him and i honestly just found her performance very monotonous and one note and like yeah we so always much... argue that that's a lot of that's a lot of writing though more oh, so definitely or... no no she was written in a very like flat bland. way yeah yeah like Charlize is a great actress i think that Charlize. I don't want to say she rises and falls with the material because I think that's a disservice. But I think that all of her performances that I don't like share the fact that like her care the characters that she is portraying is not are not very well written. And I just don't think Cypher is very well written. So I don't think that Charlize brings anything to that performance. Like I don't think she's charismatic. I don't think she's really interesting. Like it's just very flat to me. Yeah. But I also feel like they made her such a huge villain that they couldn't let her be a one movie villain. It just, it didn't make sense for them to be able to dispose of her so quickly. So I get why they are bringing her back for nine. But then again, we get to that place of like F eight made her out to be like the baddest badass that ever was. But then we get Etion. And so I don't know, like I, I don't know why she would be working for someone because of how they presented her. But then Etian does have like the anonymous bad guy. So do you think the voice is Cypher or do you think the voice is someone else? I think if the voice was Cypher, then they should have just had it be Cypher. Like, I think we all thought it was Cypher, at least speaking for myself. I thought it was Cypher, yes. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought it was Cypher anyway, and then I was very irritated when they didn't confirm or deny that. Because, like, she's already encountered both Hobbs and Shaw. The fact that neither of them, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think either of them in the movie is like, huh, I wonder if this is Cypher. Like, no. Hobbs and Shaw weirdly exists in the space where they don't even really acknowledge that it's a Fast and the Furious movie. I don't know why they don't even have some kind of, like, shout-out to the fact of, like, hey, we did deal with a major hacker before wonder if they could be connected the same person. yeah right weird how that happened the weirdest thing about all of that and i've said this on the podcast a lot but like one of the other podcasts that i've done before this one was watch the throne where we watched all of charlie's movies and like i was so in tune with the way that she spoke and the way that she acted and like i could hear her 
delivering the lines as Etienne's director. I was like, oh, I hear Charlize in there. And then yeah, you hear the rhythm that, of her yes, voice. It's the rhythm. It's the word choice. It's the way that she's saying all of it. It's like, oh, that's Charlize. Like, I was like willing to bet a lot of money. And then Joe's wife was like, oh, no, it sounds like Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, there, no, that's that's stupid. It's not Ryan Reynolds. And then we found out that it actually was Ryan Reynolds. Like, he just did it because he was on set. And, like they just you know they needed somebody to record it. And they wanted to keep it ambiguous or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's like really disheartening. I still hear Charlize in there. Like it's I don't I, I can't not hear that and i think yeah it could be but it is to your point it'd be weird that she's masking herself it is kind of like hobbs and shaw is a fast and furious movie not in that universe like it's, it's a very weird like it's not their villains but it's their i don't know it's just it's very weird to me that that movie has an acknowledgement of all the movies that dwayne johnson does with kevin hart and an acknowledgement of Jason Statham being in the Italian job, but not an actual acknowledgement of the Fast and Furious franchise. (laughs) Like, it's very weird. So I agree with you. I did not know that Ryan Reynolds tidbit. That is also sort of disappointing. And I I can sort of understand why you would do it, because you don't want it to, like, leak that Charlize delivered the lines or whatever. But what are we doing here? Like you guys built up Charlize as like the baddest bad guy. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. It got too big, you know, eight got too big. And so now we're wrestling with how big it is in nine. And I can't even imagine it. Like, I don't even know (laughs) where it goes. (laughs) Like I can't tell the only like wild theory that I thought of was like, if it actually turns out that like Mr. Nobody or somebody else within the U S government is like, pulling all the strings because that sort of ties into the fact that these mm. movies are like a little bit distrustful of like the u.s government machine but i also still don't feel like mr nobody is big enough of a character for that to be the case the only thing i could think is if they do a major swerve and it's giselle but like i Ooh. don't i don't know I think we've said that before because we pitched everyone to be E.T. on. Yeah, we have we have basically guessed everyone under the sun. I do think – I think it would be – it would feel like a cop-out. And I think we've talked about this before. It would feel like a cop-out if there is a higher-level boss that we don't know. I think yeah. that if Charlize is not the CEO, the proverbial – like the metaphorical CEO of this company, whatever, the, the leader, if there's someone above her, it has to be someone we know. Because if it's just like – and now it's Denzel Washington. It's like, well, like, <laughs> is, that, is, it just, like, is it just because it's stunt cast? Like I don't, I don't understand – Unless it right. comes from – like that was the other thing that like they didn't want to cast somebody in the voice in Hobbs and Shaw because they were trying to get – like the rumor was that they were trying to get Keanu and they couldn't get Keanu and like they maybe wanted to. But like I can see that if like they have the voice, like they, they show a screen at the end, like it is Keanu Reeves or whatever. Then you're like, okay, you've at least established in Hobbs and Shaw that there is this supreme security cyber villain whatever in Keanu Reeves and that then I could believe in nine or whatever. But now that we have seen these nine movies – ostensibly Charlize is still the biggest bad of them all and she's parachuting out of a plane and just you know on the run somewhere or in a glass prison somewhere like I don't know man like it's it would feel very disingenuous and very cheap if it's somebody that we just straight up don't know by this point yeah right it's like I don't want somebody to swoop in and just be like oh it was me along like that's very very boring I feel like eight was just so different from what I've come to expect of these movies that I really can't even wrap my mind around like okay so like what's the second part of Cypher's plan if Idris Elba's character was okay so if Cypher is actually part of Etion and so the plan with Idris was to make super soldiers but then how does that 
align with Dom and his family. Like Hobbs and Shaw was just such a different beast. There's so much about that movie that I just, I don't understand how that translates into this universe. But like you introduced Etion, you have to bring that here, don't you? Like, you know, like, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. If I've ever learned anything about wild maniacal plans, step two is almost always profit. So I don't know what, I don't know how you get from step one to step two, but step two is just profit. Like step three is profit. Step two is question marks. So then hacks, hacks, question marks, profit. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But it does feel like if Tej can hack an ATM and steal all that money, it feels like she should be able to just to tap into like the Deutsche Bank or whatever and just be like, oh yeah, that's all all that money's mine now. Yeah. And that's probably true. But do we remember what her motivations were? We have this argument a lot. It's like what what is her driving force? And it's like to take over the world. She I think she is anti human, I think. If I'm remembering right, I think she's kind of like Agent Smith where like from the Matrix where she's like basically humans are a virus and like I don't the problem with that is though that like i always sympathize with those characters <laughs> because i'm like humanity yeah, right. does yeah. suck you're right <laughs> thanos sort of right aquaman bad guy character played by patrick wilson sort of right eric killmonger sort of right but like cypher was just like there's nothing about her motivations that like remain in my brain i think because so much of it was just like her wanting to possess dom that i remember that part of it not the like grander taking over the world part of it i mean the fast and furious wiki uh, the only quote the only quote that they have from her is the because the truth is dumb i am the crocodile of the watering hole and i remember that line and just laughing in the theater because i was like that's <laughs> not threatening <laughs> like, that line is not landing like you guys think it's landing in your charlie's podcast did you guys talk about gringo yes okay what are what were your guys's thoughts on gringo i was disappointed in gringo yeah i hated that movie <laughs> And she was not good in it, so I was curious. It feels disingenuous, or it feels at least weird, if there are two separate, hyper-intelligent, hyper-tech-savvy companies, like Etion and whatever Charlize is doing, right? Like, it feels like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, it's all mutually assured destruction, or whatever, there could be another one, but it feels like there can't be these two separate, hyper-technologically advanced companies that aren't together i don't know like in this world it feels like it should be the same it just it feels like the same if it's not for me what the difficulty is is that the f8 world did not feel to me like the fast and furious world like i think fundamentally what it comes down to for me is like it just didn't feel like the same universe like it did not feel grounded in the same sort of reality and i don't mean that just in like the punny way of like she was in that stupid airplane that was like flying all over the world the whole time. I just mean in terms of like F5 is very grounded in Brazil. And then we have like these other like globe trotting locations. Like we have Cuba and they go to what they go to Dubai or like the UAE or whatever. Like we have very like recognizable locations, but like so much of F8 is just a little bit of a blur to me because then once they leave Havana, it's like, I don't even remember like a lot of it. They go. Oh. But in a New York, that's not really recognizable. Yeah, and then they go to, like, Russia, which, like, 
Why? Yeah, they're in Russia at the end. They're in Germany for a minute. They're in New York for a lot of it. It does feel like it's globetrotting to what you were saying a while ago about you know checking off the boxes so that like Russian audience can be like, hey, that's us. But like mm-hmm. it doesn't have a, a sense of place. Like, the, like, and that's also what's disappointing. We've talked about before is that the beginning of Fate, the Cuban scene feels that feels Fast and Furious in a way that like as good as any other movie. Like that race in the mm-hmm. beginning, the sense of family in that movie, the colors, the music, all of it, and then for it to drop off a hit a cliff from there. And I think a lot of that has to do with the sense of place. It's the Cuba, like it does feel like Cuba to your point. And then the rest of it just like, yeah, we see the title cards, like it's New York, but like there's not really traffic and like it just there's taxis. Okay, I get okay, sure. Okay, so like you're telling us that we're here, but we don't actually feel that we're here. And so there was just, you know, like the other villains have felt very tied to place. Yeah. Brazil in particular. It's like there were a lot of somewhat culturally limiting stereotypes at play there. Like if you're saying that like most of the Brazilian police force is like corrupt and like, like all that, you know, sort of stuff that we see in American blockbusters, but at least like you also got like a view of the favelas and like how regular people lived. I think F8 suffers from the fact that there are no regular people. So for me, it's very difficult to like connect with what's going on because you don't have a sense of what you guys were saying earlier of like how do other people like view what's happening like are there going to be a bunch of civilians that die like who are the henchmen there's just a lot of f8 that is sort of blurry to return to the original question of like am i hopeful for f9 like i think i'm hopeful for everything that isn't related to cypher like dom and letty the kid is what like two or three like i think we're gonna fast forward to a place where they're like hopefully very much in love with each other again and like we can actually have a little bit of a letty personality and that's not to say that she should go back to who she was before because a lot of time has passed and she's a different person but just that she does something and i think they're gonna lean on her more now because Mia is going to probably sort of be like a more background character but like I'm hopeful for all that stuff I'm obviously very hopeful about Han but in terms of like Cypher's big big end game I'm just not super excited for that but like the John Cena energy I'm very curious what John Cena brings to a movie like this because like he is usually fairly enthusiastic even in stuff that's crap this is like a big deal I feel like for him to be in a Fast and the Furious movie so I'm I'm curious like are they gonna actually let him have fun or is he just gonna sort of be like the scowling heavy that Dominic Toretto will be in a fight and I almost wonder because we I don't think we've talked about it in this regard because we were saying like when we were watching the trailer like the first minute and a half or whatever they're like Dom's got a brother and it's Jacob and Joe and I watching separately like watching the live premiere or whatever like mm-hmm. holy shit there's another there's another tra- like what is going on and then mm-hmm. Han comes back you're like wait how is that not the twist like the fact that like Han is back just like makes like Jacob almost irrelevant but I wonder if they were worried that maybe John Cena wasn't enough to carry this movie and so they wanted to sort mm-hmm. of lessen the burden on his shoulder by adding another face of like oh well like six is the one with the runway and seven's the one where paul dies and eight is the one with all the computers and nine is the one wait what's the nine but you can be like oh it's the one with john cena and it's the one with han back or whatever right like i feel like yeah maybe just having john cena isn't enough anymore like maybe in 10 whenever we get to 10 if 10's one part or two parts maybe mm-hmm. you need to add two or three different things i don't know and i think what i can respect about the franchise is like it does very much feel in tune with its fan base and i don't know how much more desperate a lot of us could have been for the return of han you know like once you brought letty back 
I think it's set the precedence of like, so if somebody can be brought back from the dead, where is Han? Like yep. you've talked, like you guys mentioned, like people fucking love Han. So I, I think, you know, there was enough, there probably was a little bit of hesitation for Cena. I don't necessarily know if he is a full like cinematic star on his own. So I think you do also need to live leverage something for the family. Like you can bring in a new bad guy, but you also need to have some sort of like grounding family force. And that's very much who Han is. Sure. And Han and Brian are sort of on the same wavelength. And I would hope that like anybody viewing eight would realize like Vin Diesel really needs somebody to balance him. It's not going to be the rock because they hate each other or whatever. So you really need somebody with calming energy to just sort of temper (laughs) what Vin Diesel is bringing to the table. And Han could do that. Han can do that. He's got that big Han energy. There's two other notes that I want to make in about Fast Five. Then I want to play a couple games at the end. I want to see if you have any other thoughts. But number one, at the very, very end in the credit scene, when Ava Mendez comes back. And also, where's Ava Mendez? Like, why can't, can she come back? I'd like to have her back. Yeah. I think Ava is just, like, doing her own thing. Like, she has a fashion line now with Macy's. That's, yeah, she has, she's like a mom, obviously. And then, like, her fashion line with Macy's is, I think, very profitable. I didn't know she had a fashion line with Macy's. That's really cool. You know, it's one of those things where it's sort of like Jessica Simpson's fashion line, which is somehow worth, like, $750 million. Is I think, like, once you find that niche, yeah. um, Ava and Ryan Gosling are very good good at just like not playing the hollywood game when they don't want to still i think they've still kept their kids like faces out of everything right they've basically like, uh, yeah both, i don't even yeah. i think we've only heard their names like twice in a couple of interviews and like i know her mom lives with them so like th- i you know i always think of them because i see like a lot of the celebrities who are like the paparazzi are ruining my life and i'm like i don't disagree with that like i'm sure they are but like ryan gosling for like a solid decade was like the internet's boyfriend and you never saw him him anywhere so it can definitely be done they're always the couple that i think about when people complain about like media attention i'm like "Mm, they're doing it pretty well not being noticed anywhere and the (laughs) other my only other oh okay wait hold on so i didn't actually make the point i just sort of got on the track off Mm -hmm. track ava mendez and just how much i love ava mendez but Mm -hmm. um at the very end in the credit scene the the best acting like the most out of character i've ever seen the rock in any of these movies is him in a golf shirt at the end not sweating i was like he looks so weird here and i've never noticed how weird he looks just like in that plain black golf shirt bone mm-hmm. dry i was like what what this is not the hobbs that we know he doesn't have like a sheen of sweat and he's not just like drinking egg yolks like what's happening and the only other thing that i wrote down this time was that when mia <laughs> It's so dumb. It's it would never happen, but it's so dumb when Mia tells Dom and Brian that she's pregnant, and you know they're both so happy. I think it would have been really funny if Dom just turns to Brian and goes, "You fucked my sister," and then <laughs> cut away. They make a lot of yeah. awkward jokes after that, anyways. Though, yes, they do. Like, it's, it's really like, weird. I get that, like you know, it's a very sweet moment. It's like that's like the um, like I've cried in that scene before too. But like I just I just I don't know why I was thinking about it. But just like Dom like looking at Brian, and being like, "Wait, you." The t- what? Or if he looked at Mia and was like, whose is it? Just like really dry. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> Who's the dad? Yeah, exactly. But so much of the movie, though, like so much of these movies is like Dom and Brian's love story. Oh, that's what that, yes. You yeah. know, like there's so much about just like the affection between two people who like trust and love each other in a way that like you maybe sometimes don't even get from a romantic relationship and man like you feel that in five you obviously feel it in seven because you have to because the tragedy of it but they feel closest together in five 
Like, they're so concerned for each other. It's like, where's Dom? Dom's not here yet. When's Dom going to get here? Like, I don't know. I, I might rewatch it again after we're done. <laughs> you can never watch this movie enough times. I think, I think that's what we've learned. Uh, is there any other notes, any other thoughts that you want to share about Fast Five before we figure out what character you are and play a couple other games? Do you think that Dom would have been better off with Elena? I just posed this to Joey not too long ago. Is... Elena, Letty's replacement. Well, you were also saying in four was Giselle being introduced as a Letty replacement. That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because they're kind of audition. It feels like they're auditioning women to replace Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean story wise, or like for fans, or like for like what? In what sense? In rewatching it, I think to myself, like, did this character ever have a chance? Like, no. do you think in Fast Five they were already thinking about? bringing letty back yeah okay i think the reason that hobbs picks elena from the jump is the exact reason why dom and elena would never work because he picks elena because she's the one good cop in a city full of crooked ones and dom would either corrupt her and she seems incorruptible like if she's not if she's not corrupt already she's not gonna be for dom to be so permanently ensconced in the although you know she wakes up with him in six right and like she's she doesn't have a problem sleeping with a criminal i don't know but like it does feel like eventually she would be like, I can't live this life anymore. But she is ride or die. Am I not? Am I remembering incorrectly? Doesn't she die? She gets killed. Yeah. Cypher kills her in eight. Okay. Like, I feel like ultimately, like, she does turn out to be ride or die for Dom, which is sort of surprising. Yeah. It's just something when I was rewatching it, it's like, it does very much feel like Giselle and Elena are like variations of the Letty type. Yeah. But I just, I couldn't figure out like if they really intended her to be long term. The sad part here is that it feels like Dom's one true love is Letty, obviously, but it feels like maybe Elena's one true love is Dom. That's no, sad. hers was her husband, but oh, he that's died. True. Yes, that's true. It's a love over loss. It's a rebound thing. thing for both of them. Yeah. Yeah, because she definitely, like, so much of her guiding motivation is her husband's death. Yes. So it's definitely one of those things where it's like you can love each other and, like, be happy or whatever, but is it your person? They're probably not each other's person so first off we have to figure out what character you are so here we go there are seven questions multiple choice no wrong answers again just whatever you feel best describes you as a person however you want to position yourself to the world no wrong answers so here we go okay question number one how fast are you nascar roller coaster lamborghini murcielago toyota prius vespa or razor scooter roller coaster Cool. Question number two. You know it's coming. How furious are you? <laughs> the Hulk? Kylo Ren? Christian Bale on that one movie set that one time? Mel Gibson? Charlie Brown? Or Jack McBrayer? It has to be the Hulk because sometimes Ooh. when I get very irritated, I jokingly say that I'm going to Hulk out, but it's a joke because it's like sort of true. There's a lot to be angry about. There like, is a lot, lot to be angry about. Question. A very, very yeah. good point. All right, Roxana, we're having a barbecue. How are you helping? Are you manning the grill? Are you saying grace? Are you kicking back with a beer or a bourbon? Are you babysitting? Are you being the entertainment? Are you sneaking a snack? Or are you playing basketball? Is there an option that is cooking but not manning the grill? I think you can say that. I think that's probably in the spirit of that answer. Yeah, because I I can like do all the sides and everything. I just don't trust myself at the grill. I think that's but fair. I'm definitely not babysitting. Is it dangerous? Would... Is the grill dangerous for you? I just, I'm not a very good, like, I'm not great at cooking meat. 
Like okay. I always do it a little bit under or a little bit over. Were you but veg like, for a while? No, like I would probably be hard at work, like making all the other sides. I just wouldn't okay. want to be responsible for kids and I would not be praying. Okay. Fair, fair, yeah. fair, fair. But I would want to help. Okay. So you've got time to kill. What are you doing? Are you grabbing a bite, working on your car, hanging out with friends, socially distanced, of course, drinking mm-hmm. a beer or a bourbon, working out or working on your computer? I'm working on my computer. Let's be real. Okay. Describe your wedding. You're never getting married. It's just you and your partner. It's you and your families. It's a backyard country affair. Everyone you know is there, or I don't remember. (laughs) Those are good options. I would say it's just me and my partner. Okay. Nice. I think we are rocketing toward an inevitability here with a character. (laughs) Roxana, congratulations. You just won the lottery. What are you buying? My own garage? A private plane, I'm gambling it all away, my childhood home, a fleet of cars, or a new life? Oh, a new life. Come on. And last question, what's your drink of choice? And I'm sorry, Bourbon is not on this list. We do not have a scoring metric for that. (laughs) Belgian ale, Corona, something fruity, water, whatever's cheapest, or just whatever you're having. Mm, Something fruity. Nice. Because that might have bourbon in it. True. Probably rum, but either is fine. Well, I will say that those last two answers did not move the needle on the character you were after the first five, but you had such a commanding lead. There was really only one character you could possibly be. Joe, who is she? Do you know? Letty. No. What? She's Dom. (laughs) Oh, Oh. no. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, I mean... Answer-wise, they're very pretty similar. close. Yeah. Well, actually, so Letty, I mean, so we have a scoring system, and I don't remember what the maximum is, but you got 57 points for Dom. You only got 26 for Letty. You're not very oh, Letty. Oh, man. Oof. I smelt a lot of Letty there, but... You're a lot of Dom, you're a lot of Hobbs, and you're a lot of mm. Ramsey, but you're mostly... Man, Ooh, this is an interesting turn. Let's see if this describes you. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Your stoic attitude is intimidating, your cool demeanor under pressure is inspiring, and your expertise under the hood is envied, but all these pale in comparison to your loyalty to your family. You may claim to live your life a quarter mile at a time, but there's nothing you wouldn't do for the people in your life, and at the end of the day, nothing makes you happier than throwing something on the grill and sharing a few Coronas, or bourbons, with your familia. And you drive like the wind wind blows. blows. God damn it. That is kind of accurate, actually. (laughs) They're good. Those are pretty good. That's a good one. You can't imagine how long this took me and Joe to do the point-based system. And shout out once again to our listener, Wes, for writing the descriptions for all the characters. It's a a great answer. I think Dom is a very – nobody's going to be upset that they're Dom. No. True. I mean – Nobody's going to be like, I don't know. I watched this whole franchise, but I just don't like Dominic Toretto. <laughs> From which characters are you choosing? Is it like the whole family or well, like we have what 20 are you- characters right now? We've been told oh the God. idea. We, we were going to, when Nine came out, we were going to add characters for Hobbs and Shaw and Nine, but since Nine got delayed, this sort of like, oh, we, wait. that just got pushed off too. We might add Hobbs and Shaw, but there's 20 different characters that we have scored, ranked, and that Wes wrote things for it. I think we've probably gotten maybe about eight or ten. Like, there's there's still a bunch of people have not gotten yet. Because we only yeah, developed true. it 
maybe like a year, year and a half ago. And like for a while, we only had like one guest. So there, there's a lot more out there that the listeners have not heard. That's so all-encompassing. I'm impressed. Yeah. Who surprised you the most? Like what character surprised you the most that somebody got? Well, I'm a Mia and that's very obvious. Um, Joe is a Dom also. And I think that's relatively mm-hmm. spot on. Yeah. I mean, we're going to fight because there can only be one, but sure. We have to contractually each take an equal number of punches though. And we also can't shoot together. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Kyle getting Suki is not exactly on brand. No, definitely not. Wildly off. I think everybody else is pretty is pretty close. Kyle getting Suki is not great. And I love that you even have Suki as a choice. That's oh, great. Yeah. Bend over, boy. And then Kate, you know Kate, you work with Kate. Do you think Kate is a Mia or is Kate not a Mia? Uh, Kate is not. Well, uh, she kind of is. Like, I thought that was like, I thought, I thought it stood out negatively at first. But I'm like, I kind of share a lot of personality traits, I think, with Kate. And I'm a Mia. And so I think Kate might be a Mia too. I could see yeah. that. I, mean, I think that Kate is hilarious in a certain way that you don't think of Mia being like I think Kate can be like a little zany and a little bit wacky but I also think that she is very principled in the same way that Mia is like you respect Mia because like Dom she has a code and she doesn't deviate from it and I feel like Kate is very much like that those are all very good things Kate I hope you're here I hope you're listening to this (laughs) right this jerk she definitely should the next game we're gonna play is this ain't no 10 second race aka boy do we have a podcast for you. Ooh. So now, Roxana, I would like you to go on Twitter.com. Okay. And the goal of this game is that we are going to send out tweets from our at Too Fast Too Forever Twitter account to people mm-hmm. on Twitter that we find who don't know about the show, who conceivably could like the show. So people mm-hmm. tweeting about Fast and Furious, people tweeting about the actors, people tweeting in search of podcasts. Here's the thing. It's very difficult to be good at this game. There's a score yeah, very, very on likes, retweets, replies, people emailing. We're bad at this game. So there's absolutely no pressure. But I'm going to review last episode's tweets while you and me and Joe all go on Twitter, find a tweet, and go from there. I found last time, Joe, at DuchessDank1, DuchessDank on Twitter, said, Guaranteed to cry moments. Number one, when Jesse Chad Lindbergh took a bullet. Number two, the look on Han's face when Mia asked after Giselle. And number three, the look on Dom's face at the end of Furious 7. Boy! Do we have a podcast podcast for you? you. It got a like, but from Jason, not from Duchess Day. Yeah, it doesn't count. We talked about this. Fan likes don't count. Yes. (laughs) Unfortunately. All right. You found, oh, this was, you found the really good one. Texan Pride at Astros underscore Arsenal about how death, basically it's a three tweet thread about how death is meaningless in the Fast and Furious franchise. Where's Giselle? Yeah. Braga should be dead. Isn't Deckard and Owen should be dead. Aren't. Two people came back from the dead. Where Giselle at string? Boy, do we have a podcast for you? Nothing. <laughs> this podcast unknowingly is catered almost directly to him. And yet, right. nothing. And then, oh boy, I don't know what this is all about. Liz, our guest last time, Liz, found MMA fighting on Twitter at our MMAfighting.com at MMA fighting. UFC champion John Jones. Arrested for aggravated DWI, negligent uh, use of firearm in Albuquerque. Boy, do we have a we podcast, have a podcast for, you. for you. It got three likes. One is Paul Cho, one is Jason, and one is Liz herself. So I was like, yeah. how could it possibly get three likes? But it, no, uh, it didn't. They're, they're not real likes. So anyway, okay. Mm. So now, again, still no pressure. If you found a tweet that you I got think one. is good. Mine is from Brian 
Metolius at Brian Metolius M E T O L I. Just go to our one and find it. Brian says, "Okay, I'm officially caught up with the Fast and Furious saga. Just saw the trailer for F9, and holy crap! I get why everyone is so bummed about its delay. Justice is coming. Boy, do we? Wow. We have a podcast, podcast for, for you. you. He'll never respond. Don't worry. I like, don't. It's not like like one that again is a perfect tweet to respond to. Oh, I know." I have... Oh, somebody's drifting down my street right now. Oh, cool. Well, I have found this tweet from Davey at Yip Deceiver. Wow, mm. okay. From 49 minutes ago, where he tweeted, Ooh. I want nine Fast and Furious movies starring just Han. Perfect. I thought I was seen by that tweet. Thank you, Davey. Boy, I yeah. we have a podcast for you. Yeah, absolutely. So now I found one... That I'm. It, this is who boy. It is Matt Loman at Matt Loman on Twitter. Started on yeah. April first and just says, "Guess I'll start working my way back through the Fasts and the Furiouses." Hashtag quarter teen mile, and then it's just a thread of him watching the movies. <laughs> and I'm going to get to the end and just go to the very last one and just say, just retweet. I'm going to retweet the first one and the last one and just say, "Boy, actually, no, I'm just going to do the first. Well, just the first one, just the first one, and then boy, do we." have a podcast for you because this person has sent out like 30 tweets and like he he is deep into this movie in a way that i feel like he would appreciate what we do here like absolutely yeah for sure i would think so but the question is you know will he probably not because i'm very bad at this game now roxana the last game we have is called dude what's my car so the premise behind this game is that i know nothing about cars i'm actually learning i feel like i'm learning you're doing better man here and there and i'm able to think you know i know stancing now that's a thing as time goes on i'm learning a little bit but i'm still mostly an idiot about cars and so what this is that our listeners email in pictures of cars and i try to get joe to guess them based on descriptions that like aren't like i try to be helpful but they're generally not helpful would you like to help me give clues or would you like to help Joe guess clues? I will help give clues. Okay. So I'm sending this to you. So this is from uh, listener Melissa, supporter okay. of Patreon. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash too fast too forever. She sent this in on February 20th. Subject was car pick. She says, hey, Joey and Joe and guest question mark. So she's saying hi to you. Here's a nice little oh. car I saw on Reddit. All right. So Joe, this car is Japanese in origin. Ooh, you gave me the country of origin first. And it is black. Okay. Hmm. It is a two-door coupe, I think? I don't exactly know what a coupe is. Yeah, yes, two-door. Two-door, okay. sure. Very long. Oh, very long front end. Yes. Um, it kind of looks like if a guy was lying down, or a woman, was lying down in a recliner, it kind of looks like that. Okay. The uh, the wheel wells look like they're they have visible like screws or bolts that adhere like they're not masked. It looks it's a very strange aesthetic look there. Okay. They have, like super aggressive rims. Mm-hmm. In that, yeah, it's just it's very. It almost looks like a celestial body in the tire area. Okay. <laughs> Some kind of source of energy it looks like a pulsar i don't know what a pulsar looks like but it looks like what i would imagine a pulsar looks like okay we're seeing it from like a kind of a three-quarter angle so i can't see the the tail lights unfortunately in the front there are the traditional headlights on the top then there's like fog lights underneath the body of the car looks like it's from the 70s which it is but the front of the car looks much more modern looks more modern i think it has sort of like an aggressive front end great situation but otherwise it looks like 
a very vintage sports car. Yes. It looks like the kind of car that would be a convertible, but this car is not a convertible. Okay. Particular model. I mean, it could be, maybe. I don't know. Gas tank is on the back right side all the way back. <laughs> cool. There's, there's not a lot. So, okay. So there's the, the back, the rear tire, and then there's maybe like 10 or 12 inches. Like there's not a lot of car behind the back tire. Like this is But the front is very long. Heavy. Yes. The front is super long. Like I would say the windshield starts like past the midway point going back. Like, just past, but, like, past. Like, in the back half. Like, the whole, like, basically the entire people part of the car is in the back half of the car. It's a super long front end. Yep. It's a Japanese car. Yep. 72. Yep. Is it from a manufacturer I would know? Yes. And here's the top comments on Reddit. I'm not even into cars, but that's a good-looking car. And the top reply to that says, same, I want to fuck that car. So, it's a good-looking car. fuck that car. Yeah. Full Cameron Diaz in the counselor having sex with the car my friend loves the counselor and every time he talks about it, i'm like do i like that movie and i don't think that i do but i do think of the like razor wire collar at the end of that movie like all once a week just yeah, i can't I get it out of my brain yeah i think it was a lot of really good components in a bad movie is it a toyota no is it a mazda no honda nope subaru nope it's a car company that i would know that's japanese though nissan Yep. Is it like a an older Skyline? Was there it's an not older, a Skyline? No, an older than seventy. I wonder. Hold on, let me see if this car has been in any move, any Fast and Furious movies. I looked but couldn't find anything. I will say again, Celestial Body. It's a clue. It's a very helpful. Oh, clue. so okay. I don't think it's in the movies, but Sung Kang owns one of these cars. Oh, that's mm-hmm. very cool. And there's a very uh, and like oh boy, he looks so cool in this car too. It's an old I- Nissan. With the celestial body name. He does look really cool next to that car. God, I don't know. So what is it? A Jupiter moon. No, no it's a... What? Th- there is a celestial body in the name. The first half what? is not... Do you give up? Yeah, what is it? It's a 1972 Nissan Datsun 240Z. Oh, well, Datsuns were just... It's just like another name for Nissan. Datsun was just like the brand name of Nissan in other places. Then the car is the 240Z, but both Reddit and... It was owned by Nissan, like Lexus or Toyota. You know what I mean? Like Ion, it's like the Bronx Beast situation all over exactly. again. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. It's a 240Z is what you're trying to guess. It's a 240Z, yes. That's cool. These are really cool. My friend had a 240Z, not a 70s one. And this is actually a car that I was like super interested in when I was like re-looking at like cool old cars that like I remember from my childhood that like I would want to buy now. This is like your Barbie dream car of your childhood. No, 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 not not that. Like the late 80s, early 90s, they had a Nissan 300ZX, which is like the evolution of these, right? Like they were all just, it was like 240Zs, then there was like 300Z, and now they're, they're the 350 or something, the 320, 350. So yeah, I was actually just looking at 300ZXs because they're like one of the coolest looking cars that I remember like being stoked on as a kid that also like aren't stupid expensive right now. Like you could get one, a nice one for like 12 grand or something. You know what I mean? Like, and you can get like a shitty one that you could like build for like a couple grand. This is unprecedented. What? All three people that we tweeted at have already liked the tweet. Ah! Really? And oh. Joe, the person you tweeted at, replied and said 10 out of 10 name. Ooh. So, so far, you have six points. And well, we each have one, but like this, like Roxana, this doesn't happen. Well, you know, that's very cool. One a turning point. Sometimes dreams come true. Also, this picture is awesome. Thank you, Melissa, for sending it in. The 240Z is really, really, really cool. All right. And so what I'm going to do, Roxana sent another tweet. I'm going to do this one too, because there's no harm, no foul here. This is not going to count for points, but Roxana, if you want to read the second one, because this is a, another tweet worth sharing on air. Yeah, yeah. this is a good one. 
This is from John Lee Brody, who is a filmmaker, nerd, Corgi lover. I don't know who you are, John Lee, but and his tweet was actually in reply to James Gunn, and he said, "Wild theory: Groot was Dominic Toretto from Fast and Furious in a past life, because Mm. in the yet to be made Fast and Furious Ten, Dom and the crew go to space, and he sacrifices himself for the family, but his consciousness was carried (laughs) through a cosmic wave, and Mm. he." as Groot with the grimacing face and the laughing face. That's mm. quite a theory. Right? I mean, we keep, talking about, we keep talking about Dom going to space. I mean... Maybe he's always been in space. True. Ooh, oh. Mm. And also so, the, the news that broke today, I think it was today, maybe it was yesterday, but Guardians 3 is probably going to give us the rocket origin story, the devastating rocket origin story. Maybe Rocket is tied into there something too. Like maybe yeah. in a flashback, you know, like when we were watching Jack Reacher last night, Mike messaged you and me, Joe, and he said, I would love to see Tom Cruise because Cruise drives like this great, I think it's a charger, maybe, I don't know, it drives a muscle car in Jack cool. Reacher. It's great. And he saw like, Mike was like, oh, I want to see Cruise in a flashback as like Papa Toretto. But what if like Bradley Cooper is also in the franchise somewhere, then he becomes Rocket and Dom becomes Groot. And that's why they're friends, because they were friends in the universe too. Damn. That could be interesting. Mind blown. I do like to think about like who could join this franchise at this point. What actor or actress could like actually become ingratiated within this family? There's no stoppage of anything. Anybody's possible. It's just a fun little like mind exercise. Who's your number one? Who's your Barbie dream car of, of actors joining the franchise? That's the last question we'll ask you tonight. Who is your ideal? If you could get any one actor or actress to join this franchise or a director, what's your dream cast or your dream director? This is... Ugh. This is very. Joe, we've never talked about this either. Do you have someone like we talked about Tarantino doing one, but like I don't know if he's the number one of the bullet. Like, is there somebody that you'd want to see in the? We just talked about this. Not who would be an actor in it. We always talk about that, but we just talked about who would be a director. I know we talked about that, but I mean, in terms of like, if there's one actor, I mean, for a while it was Nicolas Cage. I don't know that I want Nicolas Cage in there anymore. Like, I've really soured on him since that last movie that we did. But man, oh man, I've listed so many like Zeph, yeah, heartthrobby boys like that. I'll just say, you know, just to keep it simple, I'll just say Gal Gadot again. That would be good. I, you know, I would be fine with like a John Bernthal. You know, oh, like, okay, that'd be nice. Yeah, like I'm always fine with a John Bernthal. Whenever he pops up in something, I'm pleased. So, I mean, that's going against my, like, cast brown people ethos from before. So I would also say, also, like, as a backup, I would also say Goal Shifter Farahani is a great actress, and she's going to be in that Extraction movie with Chris Hemsworth, and so she's done a lot of action stuff before. Oh, and she was the girlfriend in Patterson. Yes, she was the girlfriend in Patterson. The wife in Patterson, wife yeah. In Patterson. Yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah, she's great. So I could see her, you know, slipping behind a car. Pretty cool. Well, Roxana, thank you so much for joining us for this. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. We are eternally grateful for your participation, all your wonderful thoughts. I feel like you have given us a lot to think about tonight. Mm -hmm. Kate broke our brain. I feel like you haven't broken our brain, but you've given us a lot to chew on. And I'm very excited and I'm glad that you were here. And now you're officially part of the family. And welcome to the family, Dominic Toretto. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please leave me a spot at the head of the table. Of course. You Is will. there anywhere that you want people who listen to the show to find you on Twitter, on anywhere else, anywhere that you write? We mentioned Pajiba and AV Club, but anywhere that you want people to find you online. Sure. Uh, yeah, you could follow me on Twitter. It's Roxana, R-O-X-A-N-A underscore Hadadi, H-A-D-A-D-I. And I write for a lot of various places, Pajiba, AV Club, RogerEbert.com, just a lot mm. of on the internet. So, you know, check it out. 
you could look. I feel like the easiest place is just look me up on Rotten Tomatoes, and then you could find a lot of my reviews. There. Oh, you're a, you're a Rotten Tomatoes reviewer too. Okay, okay, cool. Yep. Thank you so much. On Friday, our next episode, you and I are talking about My Cousin Vinny, which is nice. Kind of a car movie, kind of not a car movie, but we're still kind talking of not a car right? movie. Yes, but I'm excited about it anyways. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Please leave us a nice review on iTunes. Please check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. Come back next time on Friday for my cousin Vinny. Come back next week for two more episodes. And just, you know, send us an email. Say hi, family at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Roxana Haddadi. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out, you anus. Anus piecers. (laughs) 